Welcome to episode 404 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright, team, welcome along to episode 404 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Sensational, and you? It's getting dark in the morning, isn't it? As we did start a bit early today, committed. Well, it's quarter past six in the morning, because that's how we roll. Mm-hmm. It's a big morning this morning, isn't it? It is. Got a few interviews? Yep. And then we've got Mike Riley on Legends. Yes, uh, I'm not sure if that's coming out now, we're holding it off until the start of April. Yeah, it'll be the but we're looking forward to that. Anyway, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. Oh, that's what I need to say. Oh, what's that? Uh, just reminding us we've got an interview in 15 minutes. Oh, you and your bloody reminders. Yeah. <laughs> Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. SLS Try. Um, just the coolest try gear. And Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. Jumbo, you, would you forget if you didn't have your reminders? Uh, yes. You would, would, would you? A lot of things I would, yep. Yeah, well. Got a lot going on, Bevan. Obviously. Busy man. Obviously. Uh, in this week's show, I'm just going to look at my reminders of what's on this week's show. So, actually, lots of interviews this week. So, we've got uh, we've got a bit of news. We have a discussion of the week. I noticed you haven't got one for this week. Oh, that's a good point. I need a reminder for that. <laughs> Maybe one will pop up before we do it. And then we have an interview with Marco Albert. Now, Mark, was it Mark who sorted out the interview for us? Yep, Mark Jones. Mark Jones, good old Mark Jones, legend that he is. He uh, said to us, sent us an email, said, mate, we know Marco Albert, I know Marco Albert, I can hook you up. Mm-hmm. And he did. So, well, um, so Marco happening. Albert's going to be on. And then we've got Marilyn, now she's changed her name, John. How do you say her last name now? I haven't got that far down yet. Let me have a quick look here. Do you want me to do the apple trick? No, no, I'll get it. Uh, Mar- Marilyn Chicota. Chicota. That's a cool name, isn't it? Mm-hmm. If you could change your name to anything, what would it be? Big Daddy. Big Daddy. That's what I like about it. John Big Daddy. Yeah, you've got something in mind, have you? Oh, no, I can't top Big Daddy. You know, <laughs> there's no way. Uh, we're going to be doing some nicknames and we've got, uh, what is it? Questions and answers at the end. Anyway, coming up this weekend, we have Abu Dhabi, try Abu Dhabi. And it's interesting, they're paying for the short course when uh, I know. Yeah. I guess I've certainly picked up on that. And the other interesting thing is there's been no promo about it yet. I haven't seen... I thought, oh, that must be coming up. No, actually, I was on k226.com, which is a great website. It has all the non-WTC iron distance races, or in this case, near iron distance races, listed. And, um, yeah, I haven't seen any promo about it yet. But it's this weekend. It's this weekend. It's this Saturday coming up. Big money, as usual. Uh, $40,000 US for first place. So what they've obviously gone for at this race is... Didn't they used to pay 100000 I think it... Uh, I'm looking at this and I don't know what that used to be. It, it did used to be more than this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure those first couple of years it was a lot. It was like Hawaii money. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is that 40... Th- yeah, no, Hawaii's 110, 110 or 125. Uh, it drops away quite quickly. So, you know, you get 40 for first, 15 for second, seven and a half, three, one and a half, one. So I'm pretty sure that's different. I, I seem to remember in the past it paid like 10, at least 10 deep and it was pretty reasonable 10 deep, which is why you got a good quantity of uh, top pro guys and girls 
Whereas now, you know, you're going six. It's pretty, yeah. pretty hard to get six. And you're only getting a thousand bucks. And you're only getting a thousand bucks. Now, granted, they may they may well help athletes out to, to be there. Well, the other thing is they are now paying for the short course race. And maybe that's where the money's been pulled. So now, first in the, the short course, 15, and then seven and a half, three, two, one. So pretty, you know, it's basically second, third, fourth, fifth uh, in the long course is the same as the short course. So, yeah, interesting times. And the, the pro field is pretty thin in terms of quantity. You've only got 12 uh, men and... Is there quality? There is quality, yep. Quality. So you've got Frederick Van Leer, Aniko Lanos, Tyler Butterfield and James Kanana. So those guys, you know, you've got your Hawaii winner, you've got your, your most consistent athlete outside of Hawaii there in Frederick and Aniko, and then you've got uh, Tyler and James Kanana, who are probably, you'd say... Two of the real up and comers, uh, you know, they've both been around for quite a while. But you know, last year they had some fantastic results. You got you know a bunch of other good guys in there as well. You know, guys like Bart, um, uh, Bart Arnotts, and uh, not Bart Arnotts, Bart Jammer, you know, Bas Dieter, and he he won an Ironman race. Uh, so outside of those four, it, it does drop off pretty quickly. On the girls' side of things, you got Melissa Holstein. I always get her name wrong. Caroline Stephanie, Von Van Vlerk, and Michelle Westerby, and Jodie Swallow. So that's pretty solid. Um, and then again, drops away again. So you've got three, six, about nine, nine girls. But then obviously in the short course, a lot of interest will be on the Brownlee brothers, and there's a few other guys in there as well. But you know, you can't really see them. What do you get if you win a nice year race? Uh, it's pretty reasonable. I. Off the top of my head, I'm going to say it's around about 15,000, I think. Oh, so it's similar to an ITU race. Yeah, it might, might be more than that, but it's overall, if you do the ITU series, it's pretty it's pretty attractive. Again, not relative to other sports, but relative to, you know, in, in Ironman, if you're in Ironman circles, you might sort of go, might do a bit of challenge, might do a bit of WTC, might do a bit of other independent race. Whereas if, if you're doing short course, um, ITU is much more than, than <coughs> almost all other races. John, I think I might give myself a pet project when I'm in Kona this year. Mm-hmm. And the pet project is just to do research behind the scene around how much money top pros are making. Because I don't think they want to go on a show and tell us. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if after the show, if I were to say, look, I'm, this will be anonymous, I won't put your name on it. I just mm. want to kind of, in the last 12 months, what have you earned? Yeah. What's a ballpark figure? Because I'd love to have an idea of what... You know, we'll get, you know, obviously we get in a variety of interviews when we're going to, we get the people who are kind of at top level, then we'll get some people who are kind of up and comers, and then we'll get some kind of stragglers. It'll be interesting. I really love to get an idea of what our pros are really earning and, and not just from races, like what, what's mm. their take home check for the year? You know, like, you know, obviously the pro, like, like Freddie and the top guys are going to be earning a few hundred thousand, but you know what I, I just it's not that clear and it'd be really cool to ask them in a way where they know the name's not going to be associated to it and it's just you know what we just want to kind of give our audience a bit of an idea yes yeah, so it's pretty easy you know Torsten's done that in terms of prize money from just WTC races so you can pretty easy go well look we know you make yeah 50,000 in prize money <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll bribe you uh, yeah, what about what about the rest so yeah I'd go for it you yep. have to, be, you have to get nice, project. nice and friendly with them oh you know me I'm never afraid to ask a question um, um, what so, else so then yeah and, and then on the, the girls side of things in the short course you've got Amwell Luxford and a few other Aussies in there so yeah it d- does seem to me Anybody else has been to Abu Dhabi, maybe pop us a note. But that I, I looked at that prize money like you did and thought, that's still a lot. And it's still much. No, it's definitely dropped because remember we used to like, oh my God, that's a lot of money. Yeah, th- we don't have that feeling now, do we? Uh, I thought maybe it was 150000 
maybe it's the same, but it's just as you said, spread into the short course. Anyway, it should be a fantastic race. You know, different different uh, different setup there, different distances. You got the longer bike, the shorter run, and people always love that bike ride going around that that uh, that Formula One Formula One track. Okay, so Crowey's going to be doing Rape Melbourne this year, but he's saying he's still not going to do Kona this year. Yeah, so just saw a little clip there. He's definitely signed up for Melbourne. Says he's in good shape. So I'm sure he's going to go out there and be competitive, and that's coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Well, the thing is, he did say a few weeks ago or a while ago, we heard him say that while he won't do Kona this year, he's thinking he might go back next year and actually have a season that's built around a bit more resting so he can go into it in peak condition. Well, the big thing for him is he's, he's now started up this coaching business uh, as well. What's it called? Uh, I think it's Sans Ego, something like that. I'll have a look. And, and the other thing is he always wants to, he says now he wants to be at home a lot more rather than you know splitting time between Australia and the States, you know, just try to base himself with the family. I guess his kids are all you know starting to settle into school and just probably not moving quite as much. So I'd expect he's going to be pretty competitive in Melbourne. But yeah, you know, if, if you're not hard, it's not in Kona. You've got to be, you know, you've got to be 100 fit, and you've got to be 100 right in your head. Otherwise, you're just going to get smashed to pieces. Sans ego, maybe. It's no, sans ego. Sans ego. What does it mean? Without ego. Oh, okay. French is sans without. Oh. <laughs> Do you think it's just a that's because his French was rubbish. He goes and picks a French word. He's hopeless at French. But do you think it's a funny name? As in, it's kind of pointing the finger at somebody else. I don't know. Well, you can you can ask him when you're in Kona. You can. I know he's not going to be there, but you can maybe. Well, it's just an interesting thing, you know. Like Les Mills, the gym I work at has always been known as the selling image, and in some ways, I can see why that's not necessarily a good thing. But every other gym around the town does marketing that's anti what we do, mm. and it just puts attention on us. And I kind of think, you know, without ego, obviously, there's you know, there's, there's makers and ego, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and you know, I don't know, just interesting. Um, but the website looks pretty cool. Cool. So his website looks really classy nowadays. Stepped it up a gear. I'm sure he's doing all the work on the website. <laughs> tell you, he's learned about that coding. Okay, Challenge Family have now, oh no, Cowfrey and McDonald will be racing in the Challenge Family North American race. So they're saying. O'D- O'Donnell, not McDonald. O'Donnell. Did I say McDonald? You did. Oh, sorry, O'Donnell. Uh, wasn't he in Batman? O'Donnell. What did I say? O'Donnell. Oh, O'Donnell. 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 Yeah. Tim O'Donnell. Tim O'Donnell. I think this is quite a big coup for. Challenge. How much are they paying, you reckon? Oh, they'll be having to pay plenty. Yeah. Of course they will. So uh, they're both doing Challenge Atlantic City, which is a full. I don't know if they've got a half there. And Challenge St Andrews, again, I probably should know uh, whether that's a half or a full, but I'm picking that's probably a half. Well, they do a lot of halves. Yeah. So I think it's great. You know, the, the challenge is going mental. Uh, you, you know, they you, are going mental, aren't yeah, they? So we've also got news they've announced a race in Brazil, Brazil? at El. Polis, and they used to have an Ironman there. Maybe they don't anymore. Maybe they do. Uh, but anyway, there's going to be a half there as well. So I think you know the big push. They've, they've now got Murphy Ryan Schreiber on, who is uh, you know very experienced with Ironman stuff. Done a huge amount with, used to be with IMG, I think. So he he knows his business, and they're going aggressively into into the states. It's going to be really interesting to see see. Um, how it's all taken in and how these races go. So, but yeah, getting those, you know, Miranda Carfrey is the biggest female athlete these days. Yep. You know, um, we don't talk about Chrissy too much anymore and she's, you know, 
she's obviously the current champion, but she's just got that spark about her in terms of that run is just sensational, you know, faster than anybody's ever been for. So she's hot property, and Tim O'Donnell is your, you know, your fastest guy in the States, so the fact that you've signed him up I think is going to get really good coverage for them. So I'm interested to see how it goes. Do you think it's, you know, is it... I wonder, I'd love to know how much you got paid to do this, but do you think that... It's all about the money for you. Aren't you just a bloody mercenary? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mercenary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a capitalist. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's just interesting. I just, I'm always curious, does, will that make more people sign up for the race? And will it piss off WTC that their, their champ is going off and doing other races? The good thing about Marinda is because she's won it, she only has to do a race. Well, she's done it. And she's done but, it. So uh, yeah. she can kind of capitalise on – it's mm. the advantage of being the champ, isn't it? Whereas mm. other people have to go and chase points. Although if you're going to get that top five, you don't have to really do one race anyway. But, you know, yeah, we're good on them. I'm just not sure. I'm still not sure if a pro brings people to a race. It brings it coverage, definitely. brings you know, coverage, probably. Yeah. We're talking about it. Yeah. No, it definitely brings coverage. Well, in that case, it signs up an extra thousand people. <laughs> you know, Mac are coming to challenge Wanaka. That brought heaps more coverage to the, yeah, to the did event. Yeah, but did it improve, improve the numbers? Well, that's, that's, brand, that's just standard branding, isn't it? You know, you're just getting the name out there more, people talking about it more. Yeah, it might not. Yeah, it's just but, getting, okay, getting, getting the event in people's Mac minds. Mac going to Wanaka, did it really bring more coverage? Or did it just put the attention that Mac was on Wanaka? Definitely brought more coverage. You think? Yeah. Like it was on. It was, I mean, from a New Zealand perspective, it was uh, it was on our news a lot more. So people. Do you think it was on a lot more because yeah, when you watched definitely. the race going up to it, not this year was there was lots of coverage. No, I think it definitely did. And so then, then you know, just say that. I, I want to talk to Victoria about. Just this. say that 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 outside a person who's thinking I might do an Ironman and they, all they think about is Taupo and they just see it on the news and go, oh, there's actually two events. They may well not go and do it, but at least it's got a tiny seed. So you said it's branding. Brain. Yeah, branding totally. Branding, okay. This, Brand awareness. This year, I doubt it'll make much difference. Like, I don't think, as you said, I don't think people would sign up because Marinda's doing it, but it'll probably get more media exposure. That's what I think. Okay. That's why I've got the Brownies racing in my house of travel truck <laughs> this year. It cost you two mil. <laughs> Long-term development. Okay, uh, so they have a race coming up in Brazil, which is good on them. They keep expanding. They really do keep expanding. Seriously, one-way challenge to get PR is they just release a new race every week. Yeah. We, seriously, every week we get a new race for them, really, isn't it? It's great. Okay, uh, John's ITU update. What's happening in Malulaba? Oh, it's all it's all happening, Bevan. The season's starting to get underway. This weekend we've got Malulaba and New Plymouth. One but thing, they are second tier, aren't they? They are second tier. So Malulaba is actually, I think they might even be third tier. Uh, but then we've got New Plymouth, which is a World Cup race. So that's your second tier. What's interesting though with Do ITU they have a third now, tier? Yeah. Oh, Jeepers. Yeah, I'm turning into yeah, Jump no, of the Heart. And they've got several tiers. So you have your World Championship Series, which is your you know, your main races around the world where you've got um, probably seven or eight of those. So you win 15000 for one of those. Yeah. I'm such a money man today. And then you've got World Cups, which so is you next, that. next level down. They have, they have minimum price standards, a bit like WTC, and it's more than I thought it was going to be. It's, yeah, and I, 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 I'll bring it up when you, when you start rambling on about something. <laughs> when you stop listening. And then, so then you've got the World Cup Series, then you have... Um, so what's Malulabar? Malulabar, I think, is a continental cup. Oh, jeez, creepers. And then you have another sort of tier below that as so well. Four tiers? I'm pretty sure there's four. Yeah. What do you win in Malulabar? Uh, 
Oh, you're asking me questions I don't know the answers to. It's it's you okay. Be like guru. Yeah, well, I don't know all these things. <laughs> anyway, so the season's sort of kicking off with those two, and then we have the Auckland World Champs Series race. And I would strongly, New Zealanders listening to this, I would strongly encourage you, if anywhere near Auckland, to either go and do the race, because it's a cool race, or secondly, go and watch, because the big kahunas are all coming to play. Like the Brownies are coming, yeah, the Gomes year, Last are coming. year they didn't have the strongest field, whereas this year they're going to, aren't they? Post-Olympic year, you don't, you know, it's always a bit weaker. But this year, it, it seems that... I mean, it, basically the Brownies and Gomes are coming, so you go, oh, crap, that's awesome. But yeah. then all the girls are coming as well, so... It's going to be awesome, and it's a great course. It's not one where you just ride laps. You know, you get up on the hill and you actually see a bit of action. Are you going to go this year? No, but, but that's if I lived in Hamilton. I know, no, no, I know why. Because you don't want to get angry again. Yeah, no, I just, you don't yeah. want to get angry. But end, last fight, time. end up in the cells. But you know, last year we did the race, great race, and uh, yeah, we're there. But you know, for, from Christchurch to fly up in there and back, you know, that's five hundred probably by the time you've done it. So, but if I lived in Hamilton or I lived close by, I would definitely be up there. It's um, it's a good race. When is it? I think it's April, maybe thirteenth, the sixth or thirteenth, or something around that. Yeah. So it's good times coming up. Okay, Ironman New Zealand is opening tomorrow, and the reason we bring this up is because the entries actually open up to New Zealand Tri Club members and Australian Tri Club members first. Yeah, so you get a day early, and I just thought, I, mean, I just saw the email come through. I thought, well, I'm not doing it next year, so I just just about to delete it, and then I saw well, they've got two days. And I just thought that was a really good way for Ironman New Zealand, and whether it's WTC or whoever decides, but just to um, actually support your national federations, because a lot of people that do Ironman, they they have no association with clubs or with anything. They just earn it for themselves to do their event, which is absolutely fine. But uh, this this way, you know, it gives those um, clubs a bit of love. Club, not club, just your national federation. It just, yeah, it just helps them to have a foot in the door. Because I'm the money man today. Mm-hmm. How much did it cost you to go to Kona? Uh, it was eight hundred and twenty-five US. Then I think your your flipping processing fee on top of that. I think it's about a thousand bucks. Yeah, basically. What does it cost? Okay, what does it cost to do a normal Ironman nowadays? That uh, that varies a little bit. Okay. I can't remember New Zealand. I think New Zealand might be seven hundred something like that. Okay, okay, interesting. Um, try rate observer is out. It's uh, basically how the KPR works. Tell me about this. I don't really know what you're talking about here. So, so Tor- Torsten's got his now his sort of his try rating observer out, Ooh. and that's going to be a more regular sort of update and like a magazine. Yeah, or just an e e e sort of uh, yep. e e little ebook coming out, and it basically keeps you update on how the KPR is working. What was interesting, I'm not going to give too much away because he's um, trying to make a few dollars out of this, not making himself rich by any stretch, but just uh, just making a couple of dollars from it. But it's, a lot of it's got the implications on the new point system, where people are ranked, and who has is technically already safe in terms of qualifying and who needs to do what to get in there. So I actually think for pros, it's almost a must read because there's a lot of pros out there probably guessing, oh, I've got to do this, that, and the other thing to try to qualify. Whereas Torsten has all the stats there saying, right, they've changed the point system. This is almost certainly what's going to happen within a, a, a margin of error. This is what's happened in the past, and you've got a really clear idea how many points you need. Because what a lot of the pros might do now is they look at last year's results and they go, right, we need that many points to get in. But they've changed all the, the, the way that the point system works, and nobody really knows exactly how you're gonna, what you're going to need, except for Torsten, and he's got it all uh, done and dusted. So, 
yeah, if you're kind of if you're interested in all the rankings side of things and how how, how the pros are going in terms of the qualifying, then it's uh, you know it's a must read. So check it out. Tryrating.com. Okay, good times. Um, sponsor. Six thirty, Bevan. We've got to go to an interview. Oh, we do too. Okay, we'll be back in one second. And we are back, and we've done two interviews in that one second. We have. We have the ability to stop time. There's a TV program like that when I was a kid. It was one of those Disney shows, and the girl could stop time and then change things. Incredible. It was. I always that was like that was a superpower I would want. Incredible. If you could have any superpower, what would you choose? Uh, I'd like to have the Force. Like as in like Jedi Force. Yeah. But what does that actually mean? Oh, you asked Thomas about that. <laughs> okay. We were having a we were having a sword fight yesterday, and then he he put the Force on. Me. <laughs> Did he? Probably... And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good times. Oh, yeah. Do you ever beat him in the sword fights? <laughs> you know? I just give him a little nudge in the tummy from time are you, to time. Are you, also, wait, you're, you're on the dark side, are you? He normally chops my hand off and I'm dark, <laughs> Okay, it's nice. I wonder what happened to your hands. Yeah. Okay, uh, sponsor. Bevan, we have a revelation. Oh, I, I did think, I saw this because I, I was having my seven pills this morning in one swallow and then I was thinking, poor old Newsom. I struggle, so I'm I'm fine with the extreme endurance. The tablets are quite small, and I, and and no problem with that. But I've been been taking the immune boost, and my stupidity, I stopped taking the immune boost after so um, sick. Tapo, and now I'm starting to come down with a cold, and I'm not happy about it. So I'm I'm back on it. Amateur era uh, from from yesterday, and Peter, uh, Daddy Death, Peter Tinholt, sent, yep. sent me an email the other day saying. I love, love the shows, listen to it, blah, blah, blah. Um, heard you struggling a bit taking some pills. So the immune boost is like a capsule and uh, works really well, but I struggle taking capsules. And he said, right, here's a tick. He used to be in the pharmaceutical trade. Oh, and so anybody, bit of a dealer. And, I, and he gave me this tip and I thought, yeah, whatever, I'm sure that'll work and I'll, I'll give it a try. And I did yesterday, it's gold. So what you basically do is you get you put the pill in your mouth um, you put a, put some water in your mouth, you bend over, so you head down. So like you're going to, you're almost going to headbutt your shoes. Yeah, yeah, you go quite like that, just a, just a bit of a bend down, so you head sort of below your shoulders, and then you swallow, and what happens is the pill um, floats in the water, and, it, and you think, you know, normally you think, oh, you put your head back and you'll swallow easier, you put your head forward like that, gold. Gold? A gold. I sent him an email. That is gold. You have changed his life, Peter. It just, it just changed his life. Because every time I was saying them, it's like, right, I've got to make sure it's all lined up properly, and I'll swallow it, and oh, I hope it goes down right. And if it goes on the side at all, I just start gagging. Gold straight down. That is that is a gold tip. So if you're trying that, um, are you t- impressed by me? But seven at one time. Yeah, well, you must, you must have a big throat or something. I don't know. <laughs> Um, So if you do struggle with pills, put it in your mouth. So basically, you struggle with pills, you've got some extreme endurance or you've got some immune boost and you're thinking to yourself, I really don't get this stuff, but I always struggle. So you put it in your mouth, you bend over, let's say 90. Mouth mouth of water, then bend over. So you're saying bend over completely or just hit? Yeah, he's doing a demo for me. So I'm going to describe. So what he's doing, he's standing up. Oh, look, what did you lick your fingers for? Pop the pill. Oh, yeah. he's looking at his fingers. I don't know what he's doing. He's taking a drink. He's now he's look. He says, "I'm saying his head's in line with his hips, so he's, yeah. he's an owl. He's yep. an upside down owl." And then you swallow. Then so you don't stand up as you swallow. Right. You swallow then, and uh. Uh, it just went straight down. I, was like, I love oh, your commitment great. to the audience. Yeah, it was brilliant. Even the licking of the fingers. So, so that was my main point today: is uh, a new technique for taking your pills. And the other point is, I'm starting to get sick, and uh, because you because didn't I take did your take boost. A bloody immune boost. Why would you stop? Well, I just you know, you do, everything just turns off once you finish the race. Your nutrition turns to crap, and then you. So you when just, your nutrition turns to crap, what happens? 
Oh, belly starts to expand. No, 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 but no, no. What what comes back? Like, are you having oh, more chips? We have a lot of chips at our house. Mainly just, yeah. So I wouldn't say it's gone crazy, but I'm not as conscious of it. I still yeah. have my big, you know, my standard breakfast every day is uh, a banana, an apple, whatever other fruit I've got all chopped up and just a little bit of muesli and lots of yogurt. And you know, I keep, keep, yeah, it doesn't go crazy, but um, I'm not quite as diligent as I sometimes am. Yeah, we do always look pretty diligent. Mm. Yep. So, it's Tuesday today, by the way. It's a new Tuesday. No, no, just this whole thing. <laughs> this whole thing. So, uh, so extreme endurance, immune boost, uh, get that swallowing technique right, and but is it, that immune boost right. is important because, like, getting sick before a race is, is a killer of a thing to happen. Yeah, and particularly if you're someone who's training for a winter race, you know, like you want to do everything in your favour mm. to make sure you're looking after yourself for not getting sick because you get sick. It's one of the biggest things that's going to hurt performance. One other thing I will say is I had zero cramping issues in Taupo and, you know, with the, the, the standard extreme endurance, the feedback we get and, and my feelings are is makes a massive difference in terms of muscular soreness. Most other products, really hard to know if things work or not, so I didn't get sick. Part of that may have been the immune boost. The other thing was I didn't have any cramps and I think I put part of that down to the immune boost in terms of getting a lot of the um, you know, all, all the goodness that's in, in those. Also took the Hydro X before the race as well, which um, yeah, may well have been a good contributing factor as well. So good times. Yeah, no cramps was good. Okay, the discussion of week time, guys. And last week we, we, we brought up a discussion which could have been a controversial one in some ways. And, uh, and basically what it was, was what is something that your partner, either your wife, your husband, has told you there to do around training that you didn't listen to, but then when your coach or a training mate told you to do that, it was suddenly a great idea. Christine McKinley, pay attention to my cadence. Didn't listen to until Coach John told me. <laughs> Good old bet, we're loving that. Uh, Rob Swan, uh, he's got take at least one day off training per week. She also told me to run faster on the second lap of uh, a triathlon one year. Uh, half the crowd around her agreed, and the other half thought she was being a bitch. <laughs> to get a negative split, as I was told. Happy wife, happy life. Thomas Genario, another good one here. Take a family day. Nice. Yes, because often you don't do that. If the coach tells you to take it, you yeah. do it. David Yates, stop confusing aspiration with ability. It's a, it's a, it's a Mark Watson. Uh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Ambition, no, um, um, confusing ability with ambition. Yeah, nice. Yes. Uh, Rod Swain, take at least one day off training per week. She also told me to run faster on the second lap of the Neopan Triathlon one year. Half the crowd. Oh, uh, this is what I just read. Oh, did you? <laughs> Nice. <laughs> good, nice. Old, good old Teddy Shrew, I'll say. How do you, how do you reckon that's said? Oh, I can't. Shrew? Um, I'm not sure. Mm, wow, holy crap, this happens to me a lot with my fiance also doing triathlons. I pick up on a tip or a race nutrition idea from a podcast or magazine, and she'll either say she's been telling me this for months or uh, what I believe is she is lying that she knew about it all along. Uh, Rob, Rob Applin, stop drinking so much. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's just not a triathlon tip. Yeah. Um, Michael Scrag, train. Uh, Greg Gorman, take up yoga. Oh, that's, 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 that's a hot topic at my place. My wife's telling me I need to get back to, to yoga and doing more core cool conditioning. She's telling me to go to the gym, and I'm saying, I'm not going Come to my class, I'm mate. not going to the gym. Come to body attack and yeah, CX. Well, if you can hook me up with uh, you know, a little little pass there, we might be able to swing something. I could get you a pass. I'll get you a pass if you come to my class. Yeah. Heavy gold. Uh, Martin, a student, Stuart Martin Lawrence, start early in the morning so I have more time in the day. She suggested it for two years. I always ignored it. And then my coach says, train early. I did it straight away. <laughs> have, you, have you done Kevin Murray? 
No. no. Similar but slightly different. My wife said I'd be nuts doing to Iron Man, but as soon as my mate suggested that he had ended one, I was signing on the dotted line. <laughs> boy, oh boy, did she make me regret that. <laughs> Peter Mills, how about everything? My wife is an ex- exercise physiologist. Uh, f- f- how's that word? Physiologist. Physiologist, that's one. Uh, and a trainer of multiple Olympic medal winners. We fight like cats and dogs when it comes to training advice. Pete, you need to listen to her. Yeah. Just saying. Bite the bullet, say, yes, honey, I was wrong, you were right. Yeah. So, yeah, as I said, for me, the, the hot one at the moment is uh, doing more core conditioning and more yoga work, and if somebody else told me to do it, it might, might, might work, but... Um, Joe Skinner, just Joe Skinner here, is mine's more about bike mechanics. He always assumes I know nothing about bikes, but I'm actually not that far from his level of expertise. Nice. But he mean. Bevan, what's Joe told you to, to do? Or, or past partners? Well... I haven't really happened that when it comes to giving me sporting advice. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I've had that many partners. Like Annalise was a really good cyclist. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, here's the one thing. This is when I knew Annalise and I were going towards the end of our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> this was the beginning of the end. You know, you and I, John, Yeah. we don't care too much about fashion. Yeah, we like you, you care. Well, you commented on my jersey. Oh, I do, you know what, I do, but I, I don't want to spend money on it. Yeah. And if it comes down to me spending a huge amount of money on fashion, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And Annalise, one time, she comes in, because we started training with these guys, these cycling guys, and Annalise was just a cyclist and I was a triathlete. And we had a big bunch of guys that uh, we started hanging off in, and then I think there's you know, something kind of happened, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so she said to me one day, I'm embarrassed about what you wear with all the other cyclists. <laughs> <laughs> And because those guys were, you know, the guys had all the cool gear and they spent way too much money on gear. And she turned around, she goes, I'm embarrassed when you're cycling with the boys because you wear what you're wearing. And I, and, I, <laughs> and I put my foot down, John. <laughs> I was not taking that comment. Yeah. I said, you can get out right now. If, if that's the case, you're out the door. Get out. No, uh, no, she didn't quite leave at that moment, but it wasn't much. The next day she did. <laughs> Pretty much. It was the beginning of the end. Uh, so that, that was definitely one moment that, uh, yeah, there was an interesting moment in our relationship. Nice. John, we haven't got a discussion in a week, so I thought maybe what we could do is your funniest triathlon story. Okay. You know, and that can be training or racing. What is the what is the funniest story? You know, when you're around with your tri buddies and everyone's telling their tri story and you can't wait to get your story out, you know, mm-hmm. when you have that situation? Yeah, all the time, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> all the time, you're a great listener. Yeah. <laughs> and so what what is for you what's that one gold triathlon story that you know just you know you guaranteed laugh with okay have you, yeah. you must have a few I've got I've got my stock standard go to one <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah okay have you told it on the show you probably have that silly problem I have but you know we'll tell it again yeah, yeah okay good time so there you go that's this week's discussion mm-hmm. Uh, John, we're going to put an interview on, are we? Yeah, we'll the, chuck in... Marco Albert? Chuck in Marco Albert coming in here. So, so Ironman New Zealand champion for 2014, got second last year. Mountain Snail picked him out, and uh, here he is right now. Okay, um, la- well, yeah, just over a week ago, we had Ironman New Zealand, and I was out there grovelling my way through the course, and another man that was out there not grovelling was uh, the race winner, Marco Albert. So uh, Ironman New Zealand champion, welcome along to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. This, it's still quite surreal, though. <laughs> it, um, it, you know, not a lot of people are going to know a huge amount about you because uh, you know it's your first Ironman win and we've seen your name pop up all over the show. But um, very much, 
you know, your, your past is very much dominated by, by the ITU side of things. So maybe, um, you know, is your, your background before ITU, is it very much swimming? Oh, yeah, I, I grew up swimming, but to be honest, I really sucked, sucked at it. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my last race as a swimmer, uh, it was a junior European championships, and I got beaten by a girl. <laughs> so, so that was one of the reasons to get out of swimming and and do do something else. There's nothing wrong with being beaten by girls. I got beaten yeah. by, two, by two girls in Taupo. I wasn't very happy about it, but uh, it did happen. <laughs> did, what, yeah, it happens. And 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 she became later, I think, four time Olympic champion. So oh, okay. Yes, I, I can be a little little excused, but no swimming. Yeah, definitely no. <laughs> No uh, competitive swimming past year eighteen. So, uh, so after that, I started triathlon. And, and was that a was that a fast transition? Did you stop swimming and instantly go into triathlon, or did you have a bit of downtime? Uh, no, I pretty much instantly went because I I started university, and I pretty much couldn't go uh, and train swimming twice a day, and that's that's what is required to be a, a good swimmer. You gotta be in the water all the time. So I started substituting one time swimming with a with a run, and uh, then started with a tri coach with specific uh, specific training, because uh, I was uh, always a decent runner among swimmers. You know, mm. swimmers are mo- most mm. of the time they're big lungs running around, mm. but I was actually able to produce some decent uh, decent decent efforts while while I was still a swimmer. So my swimming coach suggested, well, you should try, try triathlon and give it a go. And I've never given anything um, like, a, let's say, half-hearted effort. So I started straight away and I dove into it. And within a year, it was clear that I have some sort of tri- uh, talent in triathlon. So I was, I was hooked. So with regards to your running, you know, we've interviewed um, a bunch of guys who have come, come over from the ITU, you know, guys like Dirk Bockel, um, Freddie Van Laird and stuff. And as ITU athletes, you know, you, you guys were good. You've, you've had a couple of podiums on the, the World Cup circuit. But, you know, when you compare you guys to, you know, Brownlees and that, you're, you're miles um, behind those guys. So how fast, but, but, but at the same time, you're still very good runners. It's just those guys are exceptional. Um, how fast was your running when you made that transition over to long course racing, you know, say 10K times and, and whether you had any fresh marathons or fresh half marathon times? Um, I um, I haven't run any fresh halves or f- uh, fresh full marathons. It's just I keep my legs for for the triathlon racing. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but uh, when I did ITU, my best running time was thirty one thirty, and I think I was capable of running around thirty fifty. Yeah. But that was that was sort of my limit, and that's still like two minutes behind the sticks. That run around and call themselves brownlees, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, and uh, yeah, you got nothing against those guys. Yeah. So they're there in the swim, and you can't really shake them off on the bike. And when you get on the run, they'll just say bye. <laughs> <laughs> how much? How heartbreaking was that? You know, did, like w- what point did you decide it's time to move on from ITU? 
Uh, I decided after Beijing Olympic Games because uh, I knew that the London course will be uh, uh, pretty much flat on the bike, so eliminating every opportunity to break away. And also uh, London swim was going to be a pond swim, so no waves, no nothing, just filthy water. Mm. So And that won't kill anybody mm. <laughs> in triathlon <laughs> circuits. So, uh, so yeah, uh, that was the point I, I sort of... Uh, so that my I, I I carried a Achilles injury through the last two years of my ITU career, and I decided to do the operation after Beijing, and uh, that was the actual limiting factor because I couldn't get back into fast running, because it's a totally different thing if you want to run sub three minute kilometers of your running four minute kilometers, mm-hmm. and the four minutes they they come a lot easier. So it's a lot easier on, on the body. So after two surgeries, I pretty much now I'm, I'm getting back into the running when I'm uh, enjoying most of the workouts and the pain is usually self-induced, not injury-induced. <laughs> Maka, can I ask, you know, you go from the ITU world um, into the, the longer course world. What are some of the differences between the two and what do you miss about the ITU world? Um, I guess I got really used to having to race the same people week in, week in and week out, just a different spot in the world. Yeah. And uh, it was, I think we had a great time with Dirk and Frederick and Axel Zeebrock and Rasmus Henning. And we were sort of, um, the, the teams from a small countries usually were sending one athlete, maybe one athlete and a coach. So we kind of teamed up because, you know, Aussies were on their own and, and the Germans were on their own and Frenchies were definitely on their own. <laughs> so we, we, we pretty much formed our own team and we had, we had fun. So I guess I miss the people and I miss the fuss and I miss some, sometimes I miss the racing around the world. But then again, you turn – the ITU is non-profit, which is a different feel. Because when you go to WTC or any other long-distance race, it's about the money. And it really scared me off because I, I did some um, uh, ITU World Championships and all, all this and that. And it never, never occurred to me that there was a lot of money involved. But my first WTC 70.3 World Championships in Clearwater... I go in a tent and there are coffee mugs and everything with an Ironman logo on. And I, I, was, I was just baffled. It's like, oh, yeah. And I came to realize what's, what's the real difference. But then again, the athletes that I raced in ITU are now moving into longer distances. So I just get to see them all over again, but less, less times in a year. Mm. And... Um I'm really interested. I know very, very little about Estonia. Estonia. We know that we've had two winners in New Zealand with yourself and I'll, I'll pronounce his name wrong, Alain Johansson. Um, well, tell us just a little bit about Estonia and what the main sports are and, and how the hell you get a couple of good triathletes coming out of your country. Well, um, the, Estonia is a small country in northern Europe. We have 1.3 million people. And uh, the main sports, a lot of winter sports, we have snow. Uh, well, normally we would have snow right now, but for some reason this spring is amazing. So I don't have, a, or we don't have any snow right now. 
uh, we have traditionally, I, I guess, uh, attractive uh, sport games like soccer and basketball. And uh, I think Team Estonia is pretty good in volleyball and handball. But uh, as, it, as it is a very small country, there's not enough talent for every sport. So we have a few track and field athletes, uh, Olympic champion in discus, Gerrit Kunter, and a few wrestlers who are, like wrestling is one of the oldest sports in Estonia. I guess farmer boys growing up, they just <laughs> love to wrestle everybody. So they've been racking up some uh, Olympic medals th- until Second World War, and now just recently, our Olympic uh, silver from London came uh, from uh, yeah, heavyweight wrestling. Uh, triathlon, I guess. Um, uh, Einalar and I we we were, or he was, coached by the same coach, and uh, also every. My coach has had uh, five pro athletes, and four of them have an Ironman win to their uh, CV. And so nice. that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it's it's more about just one coach doing a terrific job, and that's that's how we've uh, we've entered the sort of pro triathlon. So um, I read somewhere that. Uh I think do you are you sort of employed by the military, and is that how you sort of manage? <coughs> excuse me, how you make make a living basically? Is you know like because obviously there's not a huge amount of money in our sport, especially in Ironman. Is that kind of how it funds your life? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's good and bad thing to be from a small country. Good thing that uh, I I get uh, a support via military. We have 16 athletes total in in our country who are in a sort of a military group, uh, it's our job to represent military and make sure that the boys and girls who want to go to military really want to prepare and be fit and uh, promote general fitness among uh, our youth. And this, what it gives me, it, it gives me a, a private salary, like a private as a yep. rank, and uh, it gives me a social security so that with that off my back, uh, I can sort of more get get more out of uh, out of sports because uh, I don't have to worry if I if I get sick or if my family gets sick that they won't get uh, healthcare. So uh, with this, it helps. It helps a lot. Is it what kind of? It, it, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's the backbone of uh, of my uh, my career. Yes. And what what expectations are there on you? You know, how how much time do you have to put back into the military to receive, or do they just pretty much just give this to you and there's no kind of giving back? Uh, there is giving back, but it varies from time to time. Uh, I know for sure that next year there's going to be a big military drill, and we're going to be a part a part, a part of it. So we have to, we we already know that we have to be out there for uh, for a week, at least. So, but it's uh, they're giving us a yearly advance notice, so we can <laughs> plan our uh, plan our training camps and races accordingly. So in and out there are uh, duties like um, also sometimes we uh, we are present on. Um, like a Father's Day event by military and uh, stuff like this. Mm. We don't have a mandatory like um, 
mandatory shootings or stuff like this. Not right now, but when, when they call me, I have to be ready to go back and, and be uh, a, like a good soldier and protect my country. Yeah. And I think in, in light of uh, the Ukrainian uh, stuff right now that goes on, I think we, we got to be ready. We'll never know what hap- what happens. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of your Ironman progression, um, you know, last year we saw you have a fantastic race in in Taupo, finishing second behind Bevan Doherty, and um, and then obviously this year going on to win. So, so prior to this year, though, um, outside of Taupo, what had your Ironman performances been like? Oh, I was crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on, honestly, I um, uh, Taupo uh, last year was a uh, was a really good race because we were able to apply the exact tactic I wanted to, and uh, and I got off with the second place. That was the highest Ironman finish I've ever had before. Also, the the smallest margin um, of lo- losing to the winner. Mm-hmm. So after that, I changed bikes and I went from blue to track. And I was stupid enough not to do another bike fit, but you know, measure everything myself and start positioning myself on a track myself. So I pretty much uh, sort of handicapped with that, mm. <laughs> handicapped myself with that. So my my result fifth in Ironman uh, Switzerland, that was uh, done to qualify for Kona, and sixteenth in Kona. Which was okay, but it wasn't uh, wasn't really good. I just applied everything I had during the day, and never realized that my uh, my problems on the bike were caused by position. But when I rested enough after uh, after Hawaii, and I started my preparation for uh, uh, Taupo again, I started to feel that I have every everything in my body ready to push the bike, but the bike didn't move. So I, I, I searched for help after a really frustrating 70.3 in South Africa in the end of uh, January. So four weeks out of Ironman um, Taupo, I changed my bike position radically and just didn't know what's going to happen. So I just, I didn't know to the day when I raced in Taupo mm-hmm. that it, it's going to be all right. What were your your strategies going into Taupo? Because it was it was very difficult to try to figure out what was going to go on. Because you know you, you would have known that you would be out in the front in the swim, but possibly not knowing whether Bevan would be with you or Terenzo would make it or or guys like Philip Graves or what was going on. And then you were probably thinking, how far behind will Cameron Brown be? So for you, what sort of tactics do you take into the race? Well, I I knew that there will be a lot more sort of gap fillers in the swim. Mm. So last year there were like drastic ability, drastic ability differences between swimmers. Mm. So we could apply a strong swim and see the pack really uh, breaking up. But I already knew before the race that uh, this year there's going to be a lot more people who, who are going to stick with me. And it was just a matter of who will be there, which uh, I think Terenzo did a fantastic swim and, and got out with our, our group plus Romain Guillaume. He's also 
like he he did a good swim. Mm. But uh, as a tactics before, I was just thinking I'll get through the swim and see how many people got get out with me, and then uh, we'll see on a bike how people are starting to look. You know, you can you can tell by the way people look on the bike if they're if they're putting a lot of effort to stay with the group or if they're just playing around. And I uh, just uh, yeah, I just looked at them and then. When it was uh, when I got sick of uh, them looking at each other and not really following an average pace or just stable pace, I just went to the front of the pack at about kilometer fifty or fifty two, and just basically applied my own pace. Mm. And I really didn't look even look behind. I only learned that Brown had caught us when we were climbing up Napier Hill for the second time. Mm. Mm. And 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 in terms of it sounded like the the actual break happened at around about the eighty kilometer mark or around about when you went through special needs was that an intentional break at that stage or were you just carrying on with your pace? No, it was me getting really frustrated on myself uh, for dropping special needs back. <laughs> so I, I I dropped it and I, then I thought oh crap I need to get to the, the next aid station as fast as possible. <laughs> so I just powered through the next two kilometers and I, I didn't realize that I dropped them because, uh, yeah, <laughs> I just, I just, it wasn't planned. Yeah. But as soon as I, I got that 15 seconds, I thought, okay, let's see if they're going to catch up. And, uh, but at 1K later, it was uh, 30 seconds and I realized, okay, I guess they're looking at each other who's going to do the work to to bring me back to the or bridge bridge me back to the pack, and from then on it was just uh, me, my own pace, and not looking behind. Yeah, at this stage you you were putting pretty good time into them. Were you worried that you were pushing it a bit too much, or were you just kind of still working within zones that you were happy with? Uh, for the for the preparation for Ironman, I was visioning my myself riding the last forty five k of the of the Taupo course because last year I fell apart. I was riding as fast as I as fast as I could, not the fastest as fast as I wanted to. So all my preparation I was thinking you really want to ride that last 45k. And uh, and to be able to do that I was just so happy. And I was just going going and and looking at my power meters like wow, I'm doing a really good job here. And then just carrying it on, and I wasn't, I wasn't really thinking about winning, and I, I wasn't really thinking about the gap. I was just enjoying the moment, and enjoying that the fact that I, I could feel the bike moving, and I, I could feel the flow, and I, I could see that my power is not dropping off. I could see that my cadence is still there, and I could uh, definitely feel that. Uh, as the effort-wise, I could, you know, go on and on and on, and there were no cramping and no nothing at all. So uh, yeah, and at, when I jumped off the bike and went to T2, it just confirmed that everything was was great because I've never felt so fresh before. And and so what are you thinking? You know, going into the run, you you, you probably had a time split at some stage um, around about that time. Were you thinking, oh my goodness, you know, I'm going to have to hold off these guys? And and what did you think you were capable in, of running in terms of a you know a run split? 
uh, before a race, I was thinking if I run two fifty one, it'd be it'd be great because I was I was seeing that my shape is way better than last year entering Taupo course, and I did two fifty six last year, so it was a reasonable uh, assumption that I, I'll be able to run two fifty one. But starting the run and uh, learning that uh, uh, Cameron, Terenzo, and Bevan and Tim are about 6:40 behind. I was just um, I was just thinking. The first thought was, okay, I have about two minutes ten per lap, mm. and then uh, then I just ran. And when I learned, okay, there are three of three of them running together. I was I was kind of worried because they're all really good runners, and uh, but when I learned that after first lap they only took 20 seconds out of me, it was it was getting more. I was getting more confident in my ability, and then when I learned that Bevan had dropped off, I thought, okay, if I carry on, I'm I'm on the podium. And then when I learned that Terenzo had dropped off, I le- I thought, okay, it's been cam- between Cameron and me. So if I can hold Cameron off, I'll I'll be I'll be good. Yeah. And uh, as the as the race progressed and the last lap. He took a chunk uh, chunk of time uh, out of me in the between kilometer twenty eight and thirty five. Yeah, it, got, it was but, a bit exciting then, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was getting exciting. <laughs> Not for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, <laughs> um, just at the Farawaka point, I was um, uh, I was thinking uh, three thirty. I had time there, seven k, th- so thirty seconds per k. So he would have to run really fast to catch me, and I was making sure that I wasn't slowing down. So I was uh, I was well hydrated. I made sure that if anything, I can run the last two three k really fast, and uh, and I'd be ready for that. And and that's what I did. I continued on pushing myself and learning that the next two k only mm, caught about 15 seconds so it was three three k's to go and 315 and at that time i already knew that i have to just you know carry on and um, i can i can hold him off how were you feeling at that stage of the race because I was, I was watching it on the internet and and you were looking great like you know you didn't look like you had any fatigue at all your technique was holding up really strong uh, how were you feeling internally at that time Oh, I was starting to, uh, you know, the red light was starting to blink, and because uh, uh, um, um, I'm a big guy, I use up a lot of energy, mm. and uh, I was refueling myself whole day, and I used every single uh, gel or bar that I carried through the race. So at that time, I spent everything. So it was just uh, I was calculating if I make it to the finish line or not. Should I eat more or not, or how is this going on? But holding my um, sort of my my shape or Technique. my frame on the on the run was it's important. That's what we do in every training. You you gotta hold it uh, unless if if I don't hold it. I, I look like a, a Greek letter and everything falls apart very quickly. <laughs> nice. Uh, and it was a pretty big celebration coming down the finish chute. Uh, yeah, if it's your first one and you dreamt and dreamt and dreamt about it, then yes, I was milking it 
<laughs> when did you know you had it? Like how far out did you go, oh, I've got this? Oh, just when I turned on to finish shoot. Really? Not before. I, I didn't let myself have those emotions before because they were so powerful. I was like really concentrating and holding myself back till I got, I got to the finish shoot. Because I, I knew that, you know, it's never over till it's over. And uh, at, at this point, it's easier uh, to run till the last step uh, faster than just, you know, letting go and high five and do that. And one, at one point, you're just like, oh, I spend all my energy on high fives and I can't get to the finish line. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to have that. So I wanted to make sure... You know, people do stupid things when they think they've won the race and in the end they're going to lose it. So, and I never ever disrespected my competition by doing, uh, I don't know, uh, running backwards or what, whatever on, on the finish shoot. So finish the race and celebrate after that. Is it your biggest career highlight? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, without awesome. a doubt. I've had uh, some some good races in ITU, two podiums. Really happy about them. I've had a win in seventy point three. That was that was good. But having having also a win in uh, in an Ironman, it's it's special. Especially with a with a crowd actually be there, being there, and you know not finishing a, a regular race with no one actually watching. Mm. So. Having that crowd and having that music and Mike Riley and this this is really special. So, so what's your plan now? You know, I, I would imagine you've almost got enough uh, points to to qualify for Kona with a uh, 16th there and and the win there. You're probably in the in the ballpark of qualifying. Um, what's what's your plan for the rest of the year? Well, we always we always plan the year um, that uh, Ironman Hawaii should be should be the place where we'd be in a top shape. But there's still a lot of time till Kona. And my Kona preparation usually starts 1st of August. So between now and 1st of August, I'm pretty sure I'm going to race and maybe even an Ironman race uh, just in Europe. I'm not going to go anywhere far this time. But uh, I still have finished now, I think, eight Ironman races. And I've learned from every single one of them so just uh, if my body holds up and my recovery from from Taupo goes really well I think an Ironman is is in the books if something if there there's a hiccup uh, of something I might only do halves and get some points through there to secure a 100% uh, qualification by 1st of August very nice um, if people want to follow you, are you a big Twitter, Twitter, Twitter man, or are you, are you a website or anything like that? Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter and uh, on on Facebook. Uh, by, by the way, this win in Taupo just increased my Twitter followers about uh, mm, let's say fifty percent, <laughs> which which is which is pretty weird. Uh, I had about seven hundred followers, and now it's twelve hundred. Yeah, yeah. So. Nice. That's like nuts. I, I'm I'm not a different person now. I just have one <laughs> win more. Nice. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I I try to be on on a social media, and then if people are interested in what I'm do, what I, I'm doing, they I think they get a pretty decent overview. 
but I'm I don't have to uh, report every bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> um, were you? Yeah, I thought your speech, your um, at the prize giving in Taupo was was um, really enjoyed. It was fantastic. Were you a bit worried going up there after Meredith Kessler had uh, spoken for about twenty minutes? Oh yes, I was. I was getting really nervous through the uh, through the award ceremony because you know there were quite good speeches out there about the. Um, uh, I can't can't remember the name, but the the foundation that they were uh, doing a scholarship fund, that was a good speech. And then um, melanoma uh, yeah. guy, he did a good speech. And then Mel Meredith went out there and and, and she did well. And uh, and then I had to go there. And I'm like, my native tongue is not English; it's Estonian. <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was hard thing to do because whenever I thought when what or should I should I say or how much this means to me? I was pretty much choking on my food, so I was just thinking like I would damn no crying, no crying. <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to get through through the speech without crying and just uh, remember everything and everybody who have uh, helped me through through my career. Uh, it, was, it was a good speech. You did fantastically well. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing how you go in Kona this year. We'll be over there following the race, and I'll be on the start line and hopefully finish in, within an hour of you. Um, so, yeah, no, all the best. I really enjoyed watching you out there, and I've got to say you absolutely uh, dealt to the Kiwi boys. So uh, well done, and, and all the best for the rest of your year. Thank you. Thank Mark, you. Mark, can, I just, to be. can I ask one last quick question? In the last part of the race, there was a guy who was an age group who ran just behind you. Did you know he was there? Uh, of course I did. And was he annoying annoy you? <laughs> <laughs> it did annoy me in the beginning, but he was he was a good one. Uh, I mean, there was an age grouper, uh, Josh, I believe was his name. Uh, he ran uh, my second lap, his first lap with ah. me. And that was good because he was uh, sort of uh, always behind me, not interfering with my pace or with my, uh, you know, nutrition take from aid station, nothing like this. But then there was a Japanese dude running next to me on my third lap. I'm going for a win here. And he's nudging me with the elbow. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, give me some space here. No, but he, he, he just he just didn't. Back down. It's like every every uphill he ran past me. Every downhill I caught him. You know, heavy things go faster downhill. So uh, so yeah, it was uh, like a yin yang for the for the ten yeah, k, and then I I think he dropped off for the last two k because I I didn't see him. I didn't see him later. You, you just good. went down in my books because that guy Josh he caught me with about. Uh, three kilometers to go so you pacing him caused me some problems and i lost one place because of it so I'm it's not, your fault marco it's I'm your fault happy. It's, happy. it's my fault well you can you can beat me up in kona I'll yeah yeah there you go yeah awesome marco thanks very much for your time and um yeah we look forward to seeing you how things unfold for the rest of the season and thank you for having me cool. it's good to be jumbo your thoughts Oh, he had an amazing day, and we've got to remember he was pretty close to the course record. And we were, you know, talking about Bevan Doherty last year, his amazing day. He was yeah. only two minutes off that, and he did it solo. I mean, Bevan did it solo last year for the most part as well. Uh, but yeah, fastest swimmer, fastest biker, and not quite the fastest runner, but 
Pretty close. You were the second fastest biker in. No, I wasn't. Well, no. Profile Design put that on their website. I was second in my age group. No, they said second fastest we'll biker of the day. Nah, it wasn't, but we'll take that. <laughs> and second age grouper. No, I got, group. I got spanked on the bike. Well, apparently not, John. Wow. If it's on the profile website, it must be true. Yeah. Um, I was like, well, that's pretty impressive. No. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> um, no, did did Meredith talk for too long? Uh, no. No, no. She, she it was, was all right. It was okay. Any, any longer? It would have been too long? It's just okay. Some people do talk for too long. But she had it all planned out. And, as long uh, as it's a good talk. You know, it was fine. It was fine. No, there wasn't. Uh, but yeah, she was just on that borderline of going for too long. Okay, but okay. it was quite long. Okay. Um, but no, he, he did a great speech. Comes across, I mean, interview comes across a great guy and you hear a lot of chatter amongst the pros that he's, he's a real nice guy. But that was a, a dominating performance. The one thing that I think he's, he's realised and I've seen him post before is you know, for him to do well in Kona, he's a big guy. It's going to be a it's more of a struggle for those yeah, big guys than it really is for the little guys. So we'll see how he goes. But 16th still ain't bad. And we'll hopefully see him crack into the top 10. Yeah, that will obviously be the goal. Jombo, we got an email from someone this week saying, you mentioned me at about 11.45 in last week's show. And I think this was the guy. I'm not sure if this is the Asian guy. Uh, the guy I was talking about was the guy who was wearing blue. And I don't think he was Asian. So, you know, the guy who ran with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First of all, if you're doing an Ironman and you're getting let by the winner, you don't bloody elbow them. There's less than 101 triathlon. You get out of there. You get out of the way. I can't believe that was yeah. cold. But Stu emailed me. He goes, um, I couldn't help but go with Marco. He ignored me uh, wishing him a strong finish. Now, when, when I was watching the race, Stu was the guy in the blue that I was talking about, and he's a listener of the show. And what happened was Marco ran past him, and Stu put his hand out like, you know, high five, mate, you know what? Well yeah. And he just ignored him. I would Marco, too. Marco just ignored him. So he goes, he's got, Marco just ignored me, wishing him a strong finish and a great race. So I went with him. I'll take the advice, uh, though, and let him go next time. So Stu was one of those people who got a bit caught up. But he did say his family in the UK did see him on TV, so... Well, somebody else sent through a post said that uh, there was some quite good footage of me um, around the turnaround point. I was getting caught by Cam Cameron Brown, and there was Candace Hammond sort of in the picture as well, and you get to see me running. And um, yeah, the, the same deal. The guy that was running with Cam Brown, uh, I, who is that? Um, he must be an age group because I ran past him later on. He blew to pieces. I don't know how long he ran with them. But yeah, just... Just run your pace. Well, I think, you know, if you are obviously, like, you know, obviously the guy who did you. Yeah, yeah. You, the guy you were mentioning who kind of blew yeah. in the last, but he could run at that pace. But at the same time, if it's a winner in front of you, you, you sure, you might want to sit by them. Yeah. But you, your job is to get out of their space. So I know, I've got to say, I was contemplating, what am I going to do about Candace Hammond if I do close down on her? Because this, this gap was staying about 100 metres all the time. And I thought at one stage, yeah, I'm definitely going to catch her. And if I do, I'm just going to put the burners on before the, fin before the finishing yeah. shoot so I'm not mucking up her finish. Yeah, well, luckily you didn't have to put the burners on anyway, did you? No, I just, just, I just rolled through the finish, didn't even, <laughs> no, no effort at all. Okay, sponsor. Oh, this is quite an interesting one, Bevan. So I thought I'll go onto the Kona website, onto, onto Athlinks, and uh, have a look at Kona from last year and see who was the first Athlinks finisher. And the reason I did this was I thought, I wonder how fast they are um, now is Athlinks overall? Yeah, Athlinks overall. So on the, on the male side of things, we had uh, Clay Emge, who is in the 25 to 29 age group. He came in 
8.47 wow. at Smoke and See. Swam 58, got a bit of work to do there. Biked 4.43, solid, ran 3 hours and 33 seconds, 8.47. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. What's cool with athletes though, then you can go, well, how, how, what's his progression been like? How, how good is he actually? So you just click on his profile, see all his results, and it's quite staggering to see well, he's been someone his grown. progression. Yeah, like so his best marathon now is 2.33. Wow, that's pretty solid. Smoking. So not bad. But not he, bad? Not bad. It's only five minutes quicker than me, but so, so he, it's, it's not it's, bad. It's, it's good. It's for all good. you people who are like struggling to get in four and a half hours, that's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. But you can go back and you can see his progression. So you go back to say uh, 2008 and he's running like 3.25 in a straight marathon. And, really? And then he goes back all the way to 2002 and he's done a turkey trot there, which I guess is probably 10Ks in 51 minutes. 2003, he did a, mar- a half marathon there, 122. So you can see that progression. You know, one That's point, cool, eh? A 122 half marathon translates to, I don't know, ballpark three hours for, for a marathon. And he's he, and, well, no, that year he did a, a 309 marathon. And then he's just running all the way through to um, That's cool, 2007. Isn't it? That is cool. Starts picking it up, and you can just see the progression. And yeah, and, and, and then he's got down to a 233, which you know, should translate to around about a three hour marathon. And then he's able to do that in Conus. So great where, progression. Where, do you know where he got overall in his age group? Can you see that? Well, he must have won because he was, oh, no, not must have won. Because he, you're saying first athlete. He was 20, 27th overall. Really? I mean, we, we could go, go and see. Um, where that sort of fitted in, but he's beating a number of pros. You know, next behind him is Jimmy Johnson. Wow. You know, beat the first chick, so he's in front of Marinda Carfrey. So, uh, was he first age grouper? No, there was there's Marco Albert there, 8.37. No, there was that Kyle Buckingham was first age grouper in 8.37. So, he would have been there or thereabouts, and the Sam Guide, who's in our age. Oh, no, here we can. He's uh, 30, 40. Yeah, no, first, first in the 25 to 29 by about. Two minutes. So that guy should race pro now, really, shouldn't he? He's still only getting twenty seventh. No, but not in Kona. You know, you won. You got your podium in Kona. You're you're twenty five to twenty nine. Mm. You could turn up some Ironman and win some races around the world. Yeah, he may be maybe a working athlete. Yeah, but mm. he must make some money, and it's cheaper to actually do it that way, isn't it? May get get more, you, may, you may get more sponsors by saying you're the fastest age grouper in the world. Ah, maybe go for the money. What would you do? Uh, Let's say no kids. What would you do? No kids. You're him. Yeah, no kids for me. It, well, it would just be a financial decision. If I could make more money by racing pro, then I'd do that. Well, yeah, well, he would. Sorry? He would. Probably. Yeah, so you'd do that. Well, if I made more money. <laughs> How do, he, How do you, he, he, sponsors don't give age groupers money. Yes, they do. No, they don't. They might give them a bit of gear. No, they don't. What age groupers make that much money? Me. <laughs> by your sponsors? Yeah. How much, you, how much you get from your sponsors? I'm not telling you. <laughs> you crap <crabby. laughs> But not, 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 not much. Not much. You're there. Not much. You aren't feeding your family on it, are you? No. No. So there you go. But uh, no, I definitely know other age groupers that make money. But they wouldn't make as much as what winning a few Ironman a year would be. But the, I don't know if that guy would win Ironmans. You'd have to pick and choose oh, pretty carefully. Oh, you're 847 in Kona. Well, you know, you, you see um, Marco Albert is uh, 10 minutes in front of him and he's only just won his first Ironman. He's had a second and outside yeah, but that. Yeah, Ironman New Zealand for a strong field. Yeah. You turn up some of those kind of yeah, you, nobody races. Mm, might not want to. 
I listened to you just being a prick. You know? <laughs> so, just being a devil's advocate. So, just admit I'm right, okay? You're wrong. So KM's was the, was the fast, well, there was a faster age group, there was a faster uh, athletics finisher there, but he was an unknown racer who was a pro who did 8.39. Oh, the unknown racer. Oh, the unknown race. And then I looked at the girls' side of things. I'll just quickly uh, mention this because she had a, had a similar thing, uh, progression, but I wanted to give her a bit of love as well. Amanda Stevens, who's a pro, she's on Athletics. And then the first girl was Darby Roberts, also in the 25 to 29. She swam 56, rode 5.11 and ran 3.44. But do you, think, do you think, just going back to you she, making she, money... She, she shouldn't race pro either. Do you think you make money because of your athletic ability or because of the show? <laughs> when you go to the sponsors and say, give me some money, do you say, hey, I'm a really good athlete or I've got this big did, audience? Did you know... <laughs> just saying. No, do you know... I'm currently third in the world on the pro ra- yeah, on the rankings. I am third in the world on the Ironman r- world rankings. There you go. That's pretty impressive. It's worth some money. So Darby Roberts, she, you can go on here, and she's running. All right, th- we're going to go Mike's waiting. Three oh three marathon. Impressive. There we go. Darby, you're a legend. Athlinks.com, guys, check it out. We're going to go. We're going to be back in one second. We're going to go interview Mike Riley for his legends. We up to, and we are back, John. We've just done the. Where are we up to? And we've just done an interview with Mike Riley. But that's that. not going on this week's show. And we just did we just did our thing sponsor. Okay. And now it. we're back. But well, I'll push record, we're happening. Okay. So we cool. roll. We've got cool. noise in the background, Joe's making coffee. Yeah. And uh Mike Roddy, great interview. Very good. So it'll be coming out probably next week if we get our A's into G. Yeah. And listen out for it because it's a great interview actually. Yeah. yeah. No, and I've got to say, um Cam Harper helped me with a couple of points there and he said, Yeah, he's just very professional, likes to make sure everything's working properly and he does all his preparation and well, just yeah, one thing which you talked about in the interview he reads everybody's name mm. who's racing not just mm. the pros mm. I've done some race voice I've never read everyone's names right. I was thinking I need to sharpen he's, up he's the gold standard you got to aspire to be that man wow far out if you read like an Ironman like 2000 names yeah he reads them through four times so well done Mike Riley so we'll check that out next week okay so we're going to put another interview on right now and we have from endurancecorner.com Marilyn Chicota. let change that name yep. to her original name and here it is right now it's a great interview here we go and uh, just to sort of get you into into the mode for that. So, Marilyn, what do, I mean in terms of um, what you either coach or what you advise advise or did yourself in the past, um, what what are some of the things that you sort of used to to try getting yourself into the ball game? Yeah, first thing I'll say is that um, sets is that people tend to spend their race actually sometimes doing these sets. So. One thing I'll always say before I recommend any set is that um, you got to be really careful that you don't actually spend your race on these sets. So knowing, really knowing when it is time to say, you know, by nature, our personality as triathletes is to, I need one more training session, session. I need one more time to prove to myself that I've got this right before the set, before I actually go to the show. And it's, you know, sometimes what happens is they, the effort that they should have done as their race ends up being that session. So that's the first thing that I'll say is that to be very careful that you're not, um, through maybe a bit of insecurity, trying to test your, test what you'll do on race day, um, in training too much and get verification that you're ready a little bit. You know what I mean by that? Overdone on the verification when it should have been your race. So that's the first thing I'll say. Um, and in saying that I have written out three, you know, a few different swim bike runs that I like as more as indicators, I guess. So rather than 
you know, we, we study for an exam, we study all the pieces, and then we hope that when we go to the exam that we've studied all the right things and, and that it all comes together. So you look at it, I look at it like that, that you don't want to actually do the race every time. You want to do something that's going to prepare you, and hopefully you've done the homework that when you show up, you're ready to do that. So a few of swim sets that I really like with that, you know, we've there's no... Yeah, there's no real magic to it. You probably most people have heard of most of these before. So, you know, the 30 by 100, or depending on your race distance, you know, anywhere from if you're a short course athlete, it might be 15 by 100. Might be if you're up to half Ironman, 30 by 100. Ironman up to 40 by 100. Ideally, in a long course pool where you're doing them on 10 seconds rest, so short rest, and you're targeting your race pace. So, you know, you know when you're able to hold that on short rest and, you know, click them over at the pace that you're going to race long course meters. Once you've worked your way up to that and you're able to do that, you're probably, you know, you're ready to go race. There's no need to, to, um, you know, keep doing that over and over again and, and time trialing yourself. Just you, you've got that set. The next one is um, some kind of continuous swim. So, you know, if you're doing something broken where it's 8 by 400 on a little, you know, 20 seconds rest, 15 seconds rest, again, you're targeting maybe right at that race pace and you know, you know you're able to hold that pace and then you move up to where you're doing the 2K continuous or 3K continuous long course meters. Once you know you can roll that and descend and feel pretty comfortable when you get out of the water that you haven't completely spent yourself you know you have the the base to head into the race and um you can cover the distance comfortably without it impacting your bike or run too much so the fitness is there and then another one that i like for the more advanced athletes and probably more the uh half ironman and short course athletes is a lactate tolerance set where you know you're preparing your body for going out very hard and then having to settle into your race pace. Um, so if you, you know, if you go off the line really hard and you haven't practiced this, you're probably going to flood yourself with lactate and not be able to clear it and have to slow way down and watch your pack go away from you. So it's a good idea for a few times to, you know, a set that I like is you might go two or three times through where you go two or three one hundreds very, very hard all out on, you know, 30 seconds to a minute rest. And then on that last one, you jump into eight 100s at your target race pace with five seconds rest. And then, you know, maybe a nice 200 easy and then repeat that again. And, you know, you're preparing yourself, you're ready, you're doing the homework to be ready for your race in particular. So if that's, you know, that's not so much for the Ironman athletes, um, but if you're racing short course, that's probably an important one for you. Um, I guess people really need to know about race pace, especially with their swimming. You know, if you're training for an Ironman, your race pace is not particularly hard. And so I think you're right about, you know, people not going out there and doing um, you know, maximal sessions. The last one you mentioned there, I totally get that in terms of preparing for a half and for the more advanced athletes. But we've got to remember that, you know, an iron, all the way through an Ironman, race pace is not especially uh, a high percentage of, you know, your FTP or, or your maximum effort or anything like that. So people don't need to go bananas in terms of putting themselves uh, in this mass a box of maximum effort and, and I also found that even then you know my race pace and training was way far too fast you know like when you know we used to do some main sets and you do your race pace and I was you know I wasn't gunning it you know it, but you know I was definitely going faster than what I would have on race day and it's about learning to control that isn't it exactly it's you know you really base yourself off of 
you know, if you've done something like a 3K continuous swim or your last races, your last best race, you know, be true. You guys are exactly right. Be, be honest about what your race pace actually is. Probably the most common mistake I see when I assign that session is exactly that. You know, someone will do the set at the race pace that they hope to be in a year, you know, let, and that's not the idea of the set. It's do the race pace that you currently are. So if that is, you know, maybe in your mind, you hope one day to be able to hold 130 per 100 long course meter, but every session you do, you're averaging, you know, 145 per 100 or the last 3K time trial you did, you're averaging 150 per 100. You have to be honest with yourself and learn what that pacing feels like where you knock out 40 by 100, you know, at 145, leaving on the 150, you know, and when, when you've got that and you feel really comfortable and you go into your race and you are able to prove that you can do that, then that's when you start chipping away, you know, five seconds here, five seconds there. And next time, maybe you do it holding 140, leaving on the 145. So that is a really good point that you have to be, you have to be honest about your pacing on these sets. Mm. So I think you're maybe, you're maybe about to go into some, uh, some bike sets, were you? Yeah, so, you know, same thing. You want all of these sets, you want them to mimic your race as much as possible. So you're picking terrain that's, you know, similar to the race that you're targeting. And, you know, you know, you've done all the, the base miles, you can cover the distance. And so I like to, you start to add main sets in there. And so rather than, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a believer and you go out there and do a five hour ride for time, just like you're going to do in your Ironman. That should be your Ironman. That should be your race. Um, so rather than that, I like to break it up. You know, some of my favorite sets are where you might do a four hour ride or a five hour ride where you do 40 minutes at your Ironman pace and then, you know, 10 or 15 minutes rest, then into two by 20 minutes at your threshold or your half Ironman pace. And then with 10 minutes between those easy, spin another 15 minutes and then go three by 10 minutes at your Olympic distance trial pace. And so you're increasing the effort as you go through the, through the long ride, you know, you start, make sure you're fueling the same as you would in a race. And, you know, you know, if you can do that set in a long ride two or three times after that, you're probably, it's time to go race. You know, if you can successfully get through that. Another favorite one is really steady pacing of Ironman effort six by 20 minutes with 10 minutes rest in between, um, you know, you know, if you can complete that successfully, you know, there's no decoupling at all. You're able to fuel that. Well, that's the kind of, kind of thing where, well, if you can nail that, the next thing that you should do is probably go to a race. You, I call it, you're coming into form. You come into form. It's time to go race. And then for the short course athletes, a set that I really like is maybe a three hour ride, a little different approach. And you, where you do, three or four 10 minute time trials all out. So you're going maximal effort for three to four times, 10 minutes on complete recovery. So your recovery will be 20 to 30 minutes in between, but your time trials are very hard. And that's more for the, again, for the short course athlete or half Ironman athlete where they're going to be racing really hard. Um, and then again, same, you know, run sets that I really like, to for people to know if once we can complete these you're coming into form it's time to race um for the long run three by 10k you know pick a loop where you have maybe some fuel at that at your start point it's the same loop every time and it's measured distance it's a really good indicator for people who tend to go too fast at the start 
So if your third, your second and third 10K are significantly slower than your first, so you do your first 10K at what you consider is going to be your Ironman effort, and take your heart rate, take your time, stop, have a drink, have a gel, do it again. And if that is, if your heart rate is significantly higher and your pace is significantly slower, you probably took that first 10K out way too hard. And then again for the third one. So you want all three of them to be fairly close together, as well as you might be training your gut to handle, you know, every time you stop after 10K, maybe I like to have a 500 milliliter of water with um, 300 calories of carbopro gel in there. And, you know, you, you chug that in between, have a little rest and go again. And if your heart rate can stay pretty consistent and your pay, your time for each of those three 10Ks is pretty much exactly on one another, then, you know, you know you're, you've got your pace right, your fitness is there, you're ready to go. And then the other one for the sh- more short course athletes is a 90-minute run, 90 minutes to two hours where you do two by 5K or three-mile time trials. And same thing, if you – that second time trial, if you know if you can knock that out faster or, you know, exact same pace as the first one, I would say the next time you go, it should be in a race. Mm. I think yeah. the, the run, again, we said before about knowing your pace, you know, I think you can, you can get away with, um, you know, sometimes not being quite right on the swim and the bike and pushing yourself a little bit harder. But the runs where you can get yourself into some real damage um, in terms of, you know, pre, pre-race stuff, but... I, I still don't think that a lot of people out there get what their real Ironman pace is. Even if they're an experienced athlete, they don't actually do the maths as to how slow they're running. On yeah, the, like on if you're a, you're a three-hour runner for a marathon, you're, you're going to be about 320 to 330, aren't you? And it's a lot slower. Yeah, so it's, it's a, yeah exactly. And, and pace-wise, um, you know, for people doing you know, a three-hour marathon, that's four seventeens, and you start doing the maths and, and you're working away backwards if you're running five hours or four, four, four to five hours actually working out what the K pace is and going out and doing some of those test sessions that Marilyn um, talked about you know they're not going to put you in a huge amount of difficulty um, but it's just about learning that pacing and also you know, learning the technique of that pace mm, and, and having the confidence that you know if you're running along at um, six minute Ks that's actually um, Ironman pace and if you feel comfortable about doing that then fantastic you're in you're in shape and ready for ready for the show coming up exactly and you know of course the last one is always it's a good idea we do triathlon so you want to do your bricks and Mm. it's an idea you know first can you fuel a brick you know a lot of people we do the swim bike and run and we know what we've got the pacing dialed in we've got the fueling dialed in you know what that feels like but then it's you know, are you able to fuel over a long day and know what that feels like and then insert some of those same kind of sets where, you know, you're doing at some broken work at your target paces on the bike and then, again, on the run where you're able to descend and, and not fall apart nutritionally or not fall apart um, towards the back half of the run. So once you know, you know, you've got all of, all of those pieces put together over – maybe a 10 or 12 week camp, you you do all your preparation training into your 10 or 12 week race specific period. And if you've completed each one of those types of sets, you know, two or three times, I think after the third time for most athletes, the next time is the time that you should be going to race. You know, it's usually, like I said earlier, is in our minds, we want to, and for our 
maybe our confidence, we think, oh, if I just do do one, one more time, or I do something that's going to simulate exactly like the race, that's usually the one session that it should have been the race. So in my opinion, you know, in that 10 to 12 week block, and some really experienced or, or often very talented athletes don't even need that long of a race prep block. It might only be six to eight weeks, or if you're racing more often or race for a long time, and you've hit these sets bang on, and you know, you've got that, then, then go, Go to your race. That's that would be my recommendation. Cool. cool. A couple that um, I had was uh, just one particular workout that I, I find really beneficial for me is to do a, a half Ironman's uh, session at um, Ironman pace. So swim 2k, bike 90k, and run 21k. And the run I'll go about maybe up to five seconds per K quicker than what I'll do uh, as an average pace for, for Ironman. And I just find that, you know, again, the temptation in those sessions is the run often feels pretty easy and the temptation is to smash yourself silly. Um, but I just find if, if athletes can get through that and myself personally feeling comfortable, then you're just feeling, feeling good about going and racing um, an iron distance race. And then the other thing that I do as well that's specifically on the bike to try to get my head in the game more than anything is to do some time trials and Marilyn talked a bit about time trialing there but for me going out and doing a 16k 10 mile time trial is not necessarily looking for a PB performance or any physiological adaptations for me it's about just getting my head in the game in terms of reminding myself um, say for an early season race to to be able to push push pretty hard and just get my head in the game and also I generally go out before a half Ironman and do about 40k effort uh, at half Ironman power and again just more than anything to get my head in the game so that's a couple of workouts that I do and we've also got some from some of the listeners as well that will um, maybe pick apart a little bit Gary Hobbs and Paul Link uh, they both like to do a metric Ironman so they did that you know works out at what, Marilyn what's a what's an Ironman swim in miles it's two point is it 2.4 miles an Ironman swim think so. No, 112k bike. 112k bike and a 26, 26k run. So just, just over a half Ironman and they like to do that as, uh, as a bit of a warm-up. So a bit, like, uh, a bit like basically a half Ironman simulation. Another one, Marilyn, you might have a comment on is um, Matthew Bins and JP Miller had something similar. They like to go out and four weeks before their first race, they basically go and do transition practice, doing uh, swim, bike, run reps, you know, swim, bike on the trainer, running, and then uh, have a little break and then repeat that a few times through and, uh, and just, you know, again, that might be more a session for them almost to get their head in the game rather than necessarily the physiological adaptations. Yeah, you know, it's funny with the head thing. I, we had a camp here um, a couple weeks ago, and I put out a track session where I asked people to run at their race pace for 800s, and the majority of people wanted to go much faster. But the, also the interesting thing is the habits that you have when you race will come out in these sets. So exactly what you said, the, the things that creep up on you, your your mental state, how you approach it, the mistakes that you normally make when you race, whether they're pacing or nutrition or, you know, if they're an emotional response to certain things. When you When you set yourself up on these sessions, all of those will come out. And so as you notice them, it's a good idea to take note of them, write them down, and come up with what your response is going to be to those things. You know, you've already – so then when they come up in a race, you know, if your tendency is to go out that first 10K every time on the run way too hard and then you roll through it, 
and, and, you know, you haven't taken enough gel or maybe you haven't fueled and you've gone out too hard, if these are your habits, and then shortly after that, you start to experience some emotional difficulty, you know, if you've noticed that in training, take note of it and take note of how you're going to, to change that and fix that. That's your responsibility as an athlete if you want to change your performance or your outcome. So, you know, sets like that where it's for the short, in particular, I think that's sort of driven to short course athletes where they go swim, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run really fast and hard. And they might be dealing more with, like you talked about the time trial, the, what it's going to feel like to go that hard or Mm. the emotional, um, of, you know, it it hurts to go hard. It's, you know, and, and you have to have a lot of cues in your head of how you're going to manage that and what that sensation feels like and how you're going to push through that. So those, you know, those are good sets for that. Cool. Uh, Stuart Martin Lawrence, he says normally he, but before um, a four, four to five weeks before a half, he does a 100-mile bike ride with intervals. So some of those might be similar to what Marilyn's been talking about there, going around 60 to 70 percent of FTP uh, he always does a 5k open water swim which I think is really important most people don't do anywhere near enough open water swimming uh, and then he does a short one hour bike at Ironman FTP then a run off of around 18 miles focusing on form and nutrition normally about six weeks before and also does a couple of transition practices um, the week of the race and probably the last one I've got down here Marilyn is um, that you might have a comment on as well Gary Fegan says and this is more of a, a race week um, workout he says the Monday before the race is a four hour ride at snail's pace you can ask Brett why this seems to work Brett Sutton Gary was or used to be coached by Brett Sutton um, and I know you've had a bit to do with that. Was that ever with, with Brett? Was um, what sort of volume did he often put into um, tapers? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's classic for that. As far as he doesn't taper a lot of his Ironman athletes down, I think, you know, there's always everyone has a different opinion on that. And his athletes generally are are very very fit, mm-hmm. and um, so. The other part of that is Ironman's a very long day, and so your freshness isn't as much as a factor as your fitness needs to be very high. So, you know, a really common mistake for Ironman athletes is if they get very, very fresh um, and lose too much fitness, they can go very well for, you know, four to six hours, and then they really start to fall apart. And so, you know, I'm I'm not going to speak for him or what his ideas are behind that but my guess would be that you know if you're a well-trained athlete with good fitness you're keeping the fitness high keeping the aerobic engine the fat burning going you know and you it's not an Ironman event isn't something that you need to really be fresh into but you do need to be very fit Mm. Um, okay so any sort of closing comments you sort of got around um, you know sort of early season key race-specific workouts? Yeah, I will say that when you race early season, to remember that it's different than later in the season as far as recovery goes. So, you know, you you may take that approach a little bit where you might be going into the races with a little bit more training load, but not as much race fitness. And so those first early season races, remember it's dusting out the cobwebs, they hurt a little bit more. Remember, We always think in training that we remember what it feels like to go hard until we're out there racing. Mm-hmm. And it's remembering, yeah, this is what racing actually feels like. And you gain fitness from racing and from race to race. So, you know, that gets better as you go through the year. And 
especially later in the year. And then, like I just said, the recovery for that is different than later in the year. It takes longer after the first races of the year to recover from those. So planning, making sure that, you know, remembering you're, um, you know, you're not quite as fit as you were or may not feel the same way as you did at the end of last season. Remember going into the first races of the year, remember what it feels like to suffer that much, be okay with that. And then as you come out of that race, plan the recovery according to, you know, where you are in the year that might take a little bit more or a little bit more fueling, a little bit more recovery for, for the week afterwards. Very nice. So uh, you talked about a camp before that you've just, just done. What's coming up with Endurance Corner um, in the next little period? Yeah, we just finished one of our big camps of the year, which is the Tucson camp. And then the next one will be again in June in Boulder, which will be a little bit smaller this year and more focused towards um, going over the 70.3, the new the new course that's going to be there, um, Ironman course and 70.3 course. So It'll be a little bit different than last the the previous years, and we'll bring back the longer stuff um, the the following year. So I think that's probably our next big one is in June. Cool, guys. So go to endurancecorner.com, and you can sort see uh, all the information there about the camps, about the different coaching they've got, and also there's just hundreds and hundreds of articles. You know, one of the great thing there is they've oh, yeah, got great resource. A very much a team approach in terms of uh, you know lots of contributors going on a, on a wide variety of topics. You got Marilyn, you got people like Mimi, Alan Cousins, J- um, Justin, a whole bunch of guys Order. writing good stuff in there. So check it out, endurancecorner.com. And thanks for coming on the show, Marilyn. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to chat with you. Awesome. John Boo, your thoughts? It's all good stuff. Everybody's different, obviously. So what we're really trying to do is just put a few ideas out there. You know, you had some ideas from Marilyn, a couple of ideas from me, a uh, couple of ideas from some of the listeners. So just put an idea out there. I didn't really have any ideas, did I? No, I didn't really. No, no. no. And, uh, and just, just things to do. I know. So. I got an idea. Train. Yeah, there you go. Believe it. But like that nutrition guy, believe in what you're doing. Just believe it. (laughs) And it'll work. (laughs) It was always cold because you came in, he was going to back you up, wasn't he? He was going to search for all his answers. Still uh, (laughs) are. Okay, uh, sponsor. We've got coffees of Hawaii. Do you know what's coming up, Bevan? Um, Wait a second, what's the date? March. um, Your birthday. St. Patrick's Day. Oh, when's St. Patrick's Day? March 17th. Is it? I've never done St. Patrick's Day. Have you ever partied on St. Patrick's Day? No, I always. imagine it'll yeah, be. No, I probably have. Yeah, 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 no. yeah. University days would have. Yeah. In Christchurch, because it's all bloody Irish now. Yeah. A lot of Irish, yeah. Irish are taking it over. Big. It'll be big. Oh, this is Patty's. I'm going to party on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. If you've got want... St. Patrick's Day coffee. I have. St. Patrick's Day roast. So you need to get on it. It's, you know, it's already the. The 11th here in New Zealand, through the first half of the 19th century, whaling played a huge role in Maui, the p- port of... Lake. See, if I'd read this two and a half thousand times, I might really have to get my pronunciation right. Do you want me to do the... Yeah, wait a second. I think I'll roll with it. Okay, you go. Lehania in particular, hundreds of ships made port annually and many of their sailors were Irish. Oh. Celebrates Laina. Laina. Celebrates Patrick's Day much as the Irish did. The limited edition roast is our 100% Maui and on March 17th it's 100% Irish. Humpback whales visited Maui in record numbers this winter. Lucky them. Brew this coffee. coffee. Lucky you. There we go. Get some Irish. What are the Irish? What's an Irish saying? Top of that. Top of the morning to you. Uh, I don't know if that is or not. 
It could be. I sound pretty Irish. Can you, can you do an Irish very accent? Very Irish. Can you do no, Irish? No, I can't. What's the only? What's the best accent you can do? Um, I'm pretty good at Kiwi accent. <laughs> oh come on! No, 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 no accents for me. Uh, free shipping is complimentary for this limited edition coffee with promo code Irish at checkout, or you can use uh, there's a bunch of IM Talk promo codes. Order two pounds or more, and we'll upgrade US deliveries for free FedEx today. Top of the morning to you. Top of the morning to top, you, baby. Top of the morning to you. Very yeah. good. Check it out, coffeesofway.com. If you miss out on the St. Patrick's Day roast, there's still a bunch of other stuff. Have you ever found a four-leaf clover? I'm just thinking of that song. What's the, what's Because you used to use that as a, uh, as a fundraiser. One, one charity had uh, your four-leaf clover. Um, Can't anyway, um, don't think so. When I was walking to school when I was, when I was a kid in Eddington, yeah. did a A-town, the rich yeah. part of town. Yeah. <laughs> Far from it. Yeah. Um, walking to school. Walked, looking at the ground, because I was always deep thinking, and uh, I walked past the ground, and then a girl behind me goes, oh my God, I just saw a four-leaf clover, and she picked it, and I missed it. Uh, she was probably on drugs, she was probably only had three. No, no, because she picked it, she, she picked it, okay. broke my heart. Uh, uh. That's why I've always been unlucky, that's not even true, I'm lucky, yes bro. Okay, so, um, sponsor Coffees of Hawaii, you can get your four-leaf clover coffee, your Irish coffee for St. Paddy's Day, you probably actually want it for the day after St. Paddy's Day, mm-hmm. let's be honest about that. Just uh, questions and answers. Okay, Jumbo. Everyone here from Jules. Really enjoying the show and interested in John's run, walk, and the run league of triathlon. In a recent show, John talked about a run, walk, and 10K and said he would run 3K and then walk 45 seconds. I was wondering how that would look in a 10K. Does John stick rigidly to that plan or uh, would he run the last three or four Ks unbroken? Otherwise, he'd almost be walking within sight of the finish. Imagine if you did. You're like, oh, no, I stick to the strategy. <laughs> yeah. Also, is there a formula John used to calculate his running pace to allow for the walks. For example, if he walks 3 minutes 27 overall, uh, or if he wants to run 3.27 overall for a 34.30 10k, what does that do for his actual running? Does he keep it, uh, does he do it by trial and error? So first thing I'll say is I've done it in a marathon, um, I probably wouldn't do it in anything shorter than that, probably wouldn't do it in a half um, marathon and I wouldn't do it in a 10k, I'd Why not? just run that straight. Just the fatigue's on just, I just can't, can't, and you can't run fast enough to, 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 get the to comp- compensate for it. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, for, when I'm working it out for a marathon, you know, I'll have my time in mind that I want to do, and then I walk backwards from that, and then I go about training at the appropriate pace. So, for example, um, say at Ironman New Zealand, you know, I wanted to try to ballpark average 4 minutes 17, which is a three-hour pace. So when I'm doing my running, I will be trying to see if I can hold, say, around about 4.10 to 4, 4.11, 4.12, sort of that pace, knowing that I'll lose a little bit of time during my, my walk stages. So I think the, the things you need to do if you're going to try this strategy is everybody walks at different speeds. You need to walk briskly, and I've talked about the technique that I use in the past, but you need to figure out what your K split is for that kilometre you're going to walk. So I know that if I'm running along at uh, say 4 minutes 12 and do another 4 minute 12 then my next one where I have the walk is probably going to be around about 4 minutes um, around about four minutes 30 depending on the, the terrain and what have you so you just got to factor all those things in but I would say I don't do it anything shorter than a marathon and I guess my other point that you asked about is would you do it all the way to the finish and the way that I've found it most effective in my racing is 
I'd do it uh, from the get-go. So at Ironman New Zealand, I was walking at the three-kilometre mark, and I'll keep that going until I no longer feel that I'm getting the recovery from doing the little walks. So I can't actually remember how long I did it for in Taupo. But you did say last week there was a moment when you thought, no, I'm going to run through. Yeah, it's generally maybe from... I think from about halfway in Tapo because my quads were starting to, to get right, out about that stage. Yeah. So uh, at that stage, I flicked to walking the aid stations and, and more to, to keep myself cool and, and refuel rather than actually get the adaptation from the, the walking. So that's generally how I play it. Um, but definitely the when main When you did it in the marathon, what did you do? I did 3K every, every, uh, every 3K but all the way through. But when did you pull away from it? Uh, I didn't, uh, and that's where I sort of learnt my lesson. I probably could have in the last 10K. Got a bit more speed. Gone, just gone straight because I wasn't didn't feel I was getting any benefit from walking. Okay. And I did walk at the, what it must have been, the 39-kilometre mark, I guess. And I was running with a guy, another guy, and he pulled away from me um, when I walked, and I didn't actually catch him up, and I'd already caught him up. And you would have been able to sit with him. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, you learn these things. Mix Baker sent through a question. He's got, "Hey, John, Bev, and John, love the show. Long time listener of the show. You had my dad as age group of the week in one sixty-five. That was a long time ago. So, thank you very much. Question: I am doing Ironman Whistler at the end of July. I've been doing a fair bit amount of volume in the last couple of years, twenty to fifteen to twenty hours a week." 10 hours of biking a week. There is a local 200-mile uh, bike two weeks prior to Whistler IM. Do you think this is too close to the IM? Uh, there is a 50 and 100-mile option in the same weekend. Which one would be better? 200 miles is a long way. That is a long it's way. 320 kilometres. But it's biking. Yeah, but I've ridden 300 kilometres, and that's a long way. Yeah. And that was 300. 320, that's almost another... You know, it's 20. Another, another, <laughs> but, but it's, it's almost another hour on the bike, depending on, on your terrain, but, you know, 45 minutes or so. Uh, that's a long way. And I would probably say it's possibly a little bit too far, two weeks before an Ironman. If it was maybe five weeks before, I'd say um, go for it. No, isn't it post? No, it's before. Like, all right, prior to, oh, yeah. yeah prior, so I think oh, yeah, I 200, know, 200, 200 miles, I think, is, is a little bit too, too much. Uh, Even 100 miles. No, 100 miles, bang on. Bang on, you did 100 miles um, two weeks before, good stuff, perfect. I'd say go, go and do it. Smash it. But at the same time, you know, if it's 100 miles, if it's a pack ride for 100 miles, are you better off than going doing 100 miles solo? Or well, if it's 100 miles the in the hills. If it's 100 miles in the crazy-ass hills, then that's a little bit different. But, you know, 100 miles ride two weeks before would be good, but you wouldn't want to go nut bar, and at the same time you wouldn't want, you know, 80 miles of going easy and then 20 miles of maxing out. You know, you want a 100-mile fairly race-specific ride. And you've got to be really controlled. Hmm. You know, get, 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 don't, get okay, don't, Brett, don't crash either. Sam uh, sent through this one. He just wanted to say he wanted to pass on his thank you for helping him publicise his indoor cycling charity event last week. He did an indoor he, Ironman. Yeah, he managed to raise $15,000. Now, I think it was his wife's breast, breast cancer. cancer. Yeah, in the process. And I competed in the event in 12 hours and 20 minutes. Had a little cramping on the run, but it was very happy with the result. The swim was 127, bike was 530, and the run was 510. It was an extremely emotional day with my two girls and my wife joining me at the, on the adjacent treadmills for the last two Ks. I need to thank you for helping me uh, broaden my audience as I had donations from strangers from New Zealand, England, and the US. So for people who did donate, thank you very much for that. Uh, I'm pretty sure they came from your podcast audience. On a side note, Extreme Endurance was a blessing and allowed me to run with my runners club two days afterwards, finishing an 8K in 37.55, which was my course record. Thank That's you. pretty solid. Yeah. Two days after doing an Ironman. That is pretty solid to get a PB, and he's going to be doing Port Macquarie uh, in May. So nice. Is that Port Macquarie? Yep. Um, oh, don't, don't worry about the last one. Sponsor. SLS Try. 
They've got a little deal on the moment, free water bottle and running socks with orders over $100. Sweet as, bro. Nice. And if it's more than $100, you can still use your IM Talk promo code as well and get yourself a little discount. But you so don't need to get it up to 100 You need to get it up to 100 Because you, so you, you only get a discount and you, you lose the socks in the you, water. Your strategy is you always, you know, you try to get up to, say, 125 get your discount, it comes back and you still get the code. Yeah, so. it's a win-win. But the big thing they're doing at SLS Try for you guys uh, and for everybody is they're, they're going into custom gear. So if you want to be looking cool, you've got maybe a little group of um, athletes that you want want to get some some cool gear coming out check them out they do you know you, they'll come up with the designs and stuff you give when you whenever you're doing design work you just give them a bit of a sketch and they say right that's roughly what I want and they'll go away and and uh, and give it a give it a go and come back to you with a few different designs so check it out SLS try they've got custom gear and the one other thing they're doing there at the moment as well is they've got a new blog going it's got a bunch of I didn't look at it in huge detail but they had, right a, now. had a bunch of other um, you know just articles and training tips and I saw they had some indoor workouts so if you just scratch Three great treadmill workouts, workouts for winter. You guys, I know there's a lot of you guys in North America that are still struggling with snow and what have you. And if you're just getting towards the end of your tether and want a few different workouts, um, go check out the guys at SLS Try. What's the longest you've ever ran on a treadmill? I've done very, very, very limited time ever on a treadmill. I once did a three hour run on a treadmill. No, I wouldn't. I, I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't do it, but I had to. over here, there's no need. Well, this was a terrible day. It was, it was a bad weather. I don't even think it was. I think I just wanted. To, I just couldn't be bothered going for three run outside, and so I didn't want to trip more. Bad yeah. choice. Yeah, that was hard work. Um, it's Alice Try. They got really cool gear, guys. Make sure you check it out and check out their blog. They're obviously creating some content for you guys to help become better athletes. But they help you become better athletes with cool try. Yeah. We'll just have a bit of a chin wag now, shall we? We'll just. Um, well, sponsors. Yep, sponsors. It's Alice Try. Cool try gear. Uh, coffees of Hawaii. Top of the morning to you. Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. And Athlinks.com. You too can find out about who you're racing against. So today is a role reversal. Normally I need to get out of here. I've got things, I've got meetings and stuff. Bevan's got a lot of appointments. It's gotta go see a lawyer, John. in four minutes. Got to see a lawyer, then go so see the bank. We're just going to have a chat for about 10 minutes about yep, I got um, life. Are we going to do, do our nicknames here, are we? Oh, you can do it. Yep. I've got to be out the door at quarter two. Oh, it's all changing. He's put the buffer on me. I've got me. 14 minutes. He's put the buffer on me. Oh, here we go. You go first. Okay, I haven't actually got them in front of me. Oh, so, come on. Uh, e-book. E-book. Oh, you've changed the file name, Bevan. Well, oh. because it was a bit weird. So yeah. I thought we'd do nicknames for e-book nicknames. Okay. So while John's opening his file, if you want to buy an e-book, it's $30 US. You go into draw. And I got an email this week. I can't remember who it was from. But they were saying that actually the ebook wasn't as bad as they thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> they go, I wasn't even going to download it. And then I downloaded it, and the, the comment was, nice pictures. Nice, so, good, so good, good, go. good design work. Yeah, so make sure you download that ebook. Darren Wrigley, he's just going to be known as The Chew. Nice, I, I get it. You Wrigley, get it. I get it. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, Dave Fish, well, you did have another nickname for Dave Fish. He used to be Man on a Mission. But he's now just the champion. Because he is our wet boot, wet, wet, uh, blue, blue 70 wetsuit wet wet champion. We're going to have to do that this year. Are you going to do I'm it? I'm not going to do it, but I'll be, oh, my I'll be time, increase. timekeeper. Yeah. Right, so you can see, I haven't swam. So every year my time should be less. Okay. Because I'm going to unfitter as the years go by. Uh, Julian Stockwell, he's the headless hound. Why is that? I just went on his Athlinks profile and it cropped the top of the picture before I actually clicked on it. I thought the headless hound. That's kind of cool. Alex Dodds, no fear. Yeah, I wouldn't mess with her. He, I think he came up and did the house travel race one year in, in the elite race and um, and he just went for it. it relentless? Yeah, relentless. Uh, 
Alison King, the arachno girl. What's that? A bit of a spider, arachnophobia. Oh, She's going nice. to creep up on you and get you. Nice. Peter Coulson, the insider. Nice. Gives us some inside gossip. That's right. Uh, he is the insider, old Peter Coulson, yeah. isn't he? Raymond Grandmaster Panario. Yeah, he's a legend. Yep. Yeah. I was struggling with this one. I said to Belinda <laughs> last night, should I go with this? And she didn't. She said, well, I'm going with it anyway. Zania. Stalker Morrison. I have to admit, every 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 time I turn my head, she's somewhere around this area. Yeah, uh, Matthew. She's also outside my bedroom window every night. Yeah. What are you doing? Come home. <laughs> <laughs> what about the what about the multi-sport one? That's me. It what was did our, you that was our, No, it was our test run. You said do oh, a test run. That's right. I made sure you refunded me too. John, the coach, use yeah. him. <laughs> uh, Matthew Puma Jennings, because he just. Yeah, the puma that just yep. smokes along. Sleek. Uh, Ed, Ed, the Emerald Frog Hodgson. <laughs> Where did that one come from? That came from my name generator. Oh, though, okay, the Emerald Frog. The Emerald Frog. Uh, Jeff Martindale, let's call him Formula One, because nice. he's from Daytona Beach. Nice. And the final, and oh, no, I've got a couple more there. Uh, Robin, the Crusader Trotman. Nice. Richard Speedwalker Swan. Yeah, well, I call him Swanny Noah. Yeah, he did do a bit of walking in Ironman New Zealand, I think. Well, yeah. he exploded. He went out and... 38 minutes, I think, for the first yeah, 10 no, days. Yeah, no, there was a mistake. It was mm. a, a fatal error. And that's all I've got. I've got Andrew Brockhurst, and I thought Brockhurst, I thought Bathurst, Australia. Nice. And then I thought Peter Brock. Mm-hmm. So then I called him. If you, if you don't live in Australia, you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. But um, Bathurst is the biggest car racing event in Australia. Mm-hmm. And Peter Brock won it nine times, and he was mm. a, a legend. Mm. And so I called him the Holden Racer. Okay, yeah. Because he always raced a Holden, didn't he? Uh, did he always race a Holden? I don't know much about cars. I think he was a Holden racer. Um, Breen Charles. Only a fool breaks a two-second rule. Yeah, that's right. He was on the head, wasn't he? Um, Breen Charles, he is the king, King Charles. Cool. Uh, Gavin Rogers is Tweaky. He's, he's donated before to the show. Barry, how's that one? Breffel. Breffel. Uh, the tomb. Barry's coming on. Uh, coming to Canada. Oh, nice. Well, he's putting you on the tomb. You're going to be going to the tomb. <laughs> it's uh, kind of ironic. His, his wife's going to be doing some of the massage. Oh, really? Yeah. Good times. Um, Mark Ryan. Now, I don't know if it's Mark Ryan, but there's a local cyclist called Mark mm. Ryan. He's awesome, isn't he? Mm. He's like he's like a New Zealand rider, isn't mm. he? So I've called Mark Ryan the local legend. Olympic medalist. Oh, did he win an Olympic? Really? In the pursuit. Really? Yeah, team's pursuit. Wow. David Hawkins. Uh, I thought Hawk. Angry Bird. Nice. Uh, Peter Thias, maybe? Thaus. Thaus. Yeah. I call him Thor. Nice. Yes. As in Thor, like as in a Greek god. Um, James Porteus. Porteus, yeah. Uh, the python. Did you see the python eating a crocodile? Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> That was an awesome man. Yeah. yeah. That was sensational. I'd love to see the python like five days later. Well, I think it just sits here. I don't think they move much once. I think it takes a long time for it to break down. Yeah. For it to digest it. Jeez, yeah. Yeah. That was bizarre. So then that got me. I went on one of those internet kind of lose yourself, you know, down a rabbit hole. And um, apparently a python's eaten a kid before. (laughs) They can't eat. Apparently our shoulders are too wide. Yeah. So they can't really swallow a human. But they're they're apparently a kid. So um, that was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. I wish the only problem was I wish they'd like video footage yeah because it would have been interesting watching the fight yeah because if, if you're a betting man without knowing what would happen <laughs> you probably would put your money on the crock yeah yeah I, I did I, I saw the video oh was the video yeah yeah so how to tell me about the fight there wasn't he just sort of strangled him oh really yeah, so the crock couldn't of, get his mouth around yeah, it yeah and he just sort of uh, I suppose if it su- got suff- mouth. suffocated it and or sorry, suffocated just strangled it and then just you slowly swallowed him that's sensational yeah. <sighs> um, seven minutes um, Pete, oh, he gave us, he bought lots of the books. Um, 
Um, where's he going? Obviously, we've got to go. We had a bit of problem there. We're back now. We've got um, John Hancock, the Mountain Snail. We've got Sarah Helmwood, and I called her the Helm- Man Crusher. Helmore. Helmore. Yeah. The Man Crusher. She crushes the man. She okay, cr- she's one of my coaches in Christchurch. Yeah, I didn't actually, I didn't put two and two together when I made that one up. Yeah, no. Yeah, well, she crushes you guys. Oh. She smashes you. Oh, goodness. When you're racing, she's going to crush the crap out of you. Yeah. Tim McCurg. Another Christchurch fella. The Wizard. He's off to 70.3 World Champs. Nice. And I'll say this last one, John. Jorg. Jorg Müllerkind. And he's a miracle man. It's a miracle I got that name out. It's a miracle you did. Okay. Uh, so, John Bowie, those are the game. If you want to get the book, $30. Goes towards us getting to Kona. You're going to draw to win the tri- ultimate trip to Kona. Do it now, John. Nice. You goss. You've got six minutes. Six minutes. So, when I was wow. three. <laughs> Going to Hamner this weekend with a fill and oh, taking nice. all the kids. Is this no kind wives. of like payback? No wives, yeah, a little bit of payback. So the kids, oh, so the wives get the weekend off? So we take one vehicle, he's got a big uh, family wagon. So what, go Friday night, come back Saturday, Sunday, Saturday morning? <laughs> yeah, no, go Friday, pick up after school, out of there, back Sunday evening. Hide a house? Yep, got a house, and five kids in one vehicle, two dads up front. Shut up, you crapheads. Yep. What kind of kids, what kind of vehicle are you taking? He's got a just a, sort of a, van, a van and it's got the two seats in the back. Uh. And um, yeah, can't take much, can't fit much gear in. So we're not eating for, for three days. That's good. Just for, just I've got one chapter to go in the David Miller book. Highly recommend it. David Miller. What David is Miller is a cyclist um, racing through the dark, I think it's yeah, called. Is that the Kiwi guy who. No, he's, no. A, he's a British guy and he got busted for drugs and then he's gone on a crusade after that to be very outspoken about. Drug taking and uh, do that, made, isn't a, it? made a real. Uh, if, it's fantastic. If 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 they had another ten people in pro cycling like him, the sport would be. But he, he, 10 he times didn't better. go back to cycling, did he? No, he did. Okay, he go back and he he had a, a very good career and oh, did, did it all drug free. And yeah, it's it's brilliant. So why why is it brilliant? Because he, he had this torment. For, he was drug free for for ages and ages and ages, and, and won races, and he just got slowly just got broken down. He basically took drugs for for one season, and was it one season? Maybe just over sure a season. Is. Sure. And is. Uh, and then got um, busted in, in fairly unfortunate circumstances, and uh, just just life just got screwed, just ruined. And uh, but then got his shit together, and yeah, it's just a really. Really great story. I've, I enjoyed it much more than, say, the Tyler Hamilton book, which I also enjoyed, but this one was... More kind yeah. of human. And, and it's, it's the, the attitude I would love to see from more athletes. Came out, he just came out straight away and said, yep, I did it, hands yep. up, I did it. Cocked up. And has totally gone on the offensive in terms of trying to educate other cyclists so they don't get in the same situation that he got himself into, trying to support other riders, being just very vocal about things. And Is he still rub- racing now? Garmin uh, Sharp? Garmin Sharp. I yeah. think he's still racing. He's okay. sort of very much at the end of his career. He's 37. But, uh, yeah, brilliant book. Okay. And what else is happening? Um, I'm now ranked third in the world. Uh, yeah, I did see that. You're loving the ranking yeah. systems, aren't you? Yeah, love it. I'm disappointed. I thought I'd you to be number one. I don't know why Pod's in front of me, and I don't know why he's not. Well, because uh, he beat you in... He beat me in Auckland, but I beat him in Taupo. Yeah, but Auckland's a better race. Mm, we've got the same points, though. We're second, actually second equal. Well, uh, he's not in front of you, then. But, the, but then... Why does the guy who's ranked first, who won Taupo, why does he have more points than Pod when Pod won Auckland, which you would have thought might get the same points? <laughs> the system's going wrong. <laughs> it's, it's all a failure. So, Ben Wiggles? Um, Hunger Games? Watch Hunger Games at the weekend. Oh, did you watch Hunger Games? Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. yeah. What's well, the first one? Yep. I haven't watched the second one. Yeah, I read the books. The yep. books are real. I really enjoyed the books. Blend's got the books lined Have you up read the Dragon Tattoo series? No, I am not. Oh, you like reading. You should read those. They're really good. The third book in the Dragon Tattoo series is gripping. It takes me a while to get through books. 
Yeah, that's not me. I'm reading a really good book right now called In the Mountain Echoed. By the, if, did you read The Kite Runner? No. <laughs> you make out like you're a reader. Uh. <laughs> the Kite Runner is a brilliant book and uh, and it's by the same guy and I'm really enjoying it, but I just it just puts me to sleep, which is good, but it's not good for the book. No. Because yeah, I started, I read Game of Thrones and I didn't really enjoy it because I kept falling asleep every page. <laughs> and then I loved the TV series, so... Yeah. Yeah. All right, Bevan, you have two minutes. Uh, my goss. Oh, my joke is stressed. <laughs> <laughs> if Joe and I have one issue in our relationship, it's time to, when, when's the right time to leave. Yeah. And it can often cause a bit of tension okay. in our relationship. I don't, I don't want to piss Joe off, so I'm done. And uh, so, what am I up to? I'm working a lot. Oh, that's craziness. I worked all weekend. Uh, no. I'm going to go to Dunedin for the day on Friday. Oh, Dunners. Friday, I know Dunners. Yeah. Dirty old dunners. And then, um, no, I'm, I'm in that, Joe and I in that moment, we, we've had the last four Saturday nights at home. Oh, yeah? And we, we did, last Saturday night we were like, we've got to stop being sad buggers. Mm. This Saturday, we're raging it. Raging it. We'll probably stay at home. Cool. That's <laughs> how we roll. No, that's me. Save it up for Kona. Right, I'm Russ. I'm in. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. kaha.